Choo-choo indeed! Welcome to the first of two special episodes of the DLC Podcast. Your downloadable commentary for the week. Your commentary, of course, this week about the convention, E3, the biggest week in video games. We've got coverage of the big E3 press conferences. I'm Jeff Kanata. Joining me, as always, is my friend slash co-host, slash nemesis christian spicer hello christian hey jeff i have a uh, purple hair you can see it my lighting here is not the best but i went full bleach purple nice. uh because everybody donating to saint jude so thank you for doing that and the uh, the proof is in the purple pudding <laughs> it's awesome we are recording much later tonight it is sunday night i just got home from Bethesda's press conference. I spent all day at E3 today, uh, EA's press conference yesterday. We're going to talk about those press conferences. It's a special episode, uh, not our usual episode. Uh, we may have a guest that joins us uh, partway through. We, we were going to have a guest, and, and the communication has gotten has broken down because it is late in the evening. Um, but we have so much to get through. Uh, we do have a sponsor this episode. This episode is brought to you by Casper. But again, this is not your usual uh, DLC with our usual segments. It's going to be all about the press conferences. We're going to step through all the press conferences that have happened so far. EA, Microsoft, Xbox, and Bethesda. And then tomorrow night, we will be doing this again to catch up on all of the rest of the press conferences. Ubisoft, PC, Square Enix, and Sony. So be sure, if you're not subscribed, subscribe to the show because we've got a lot to get through. So let's get started right now. Fire up that hype train and get rolling. E3 started on Saturday this year with the EA press conference. This is uh, EA Play, which is actually technically not part of E3. It's actually at a completely different venue here in Los Angeles. They took over part of Hollywood and built their their uh, whole situation that's open to the public for free. And uh, they had a press conference and a, a press day. And let's talk about the things that they brought up. First of all, we should mention that our friend and friend of the show, Andrea Renee, hosted the press conference alongside another friend of the show, Don Fubar himself, Jose Sanchez. And uh, those two folks, I thought, did a fantastic job. Kudos to Andrea for being so charming and fun and full of life. I just thought she did a fantastic job. Yeah, they need to lock her down for next year and several more events and then use her more uh, next year because she was fantastic when she was on and, I, in my opinion, was not on enough i think I they agree. can call it e andrea play nice uh, well year. done i agree underutilized it was there was a large section in the, of the middle of the show where she just didn't make any appearances and i just thought uh the show was mo- so much better when she was a part of it so let's talk about the things they talked about uh i took some notes here and we'll try to step through as far as what they showed uh start off with battlefield 5 multiplayer um which uh is Battlefield 5 looks good it's destructibility looks good we we had the big Battlefield 5 uh event the the big unveiling what a week or two ago uh and we talked about it at length on the show so we don't need to spend too much time on it but I thought it looked strong 
Yeah. It, uh, well, mm, I mean, it, yes, it, it looks the same, right? Like the, I the destructibility like the old- looks good. I think um, the um, the the engine looks very very nice as usual. I think the animation system looks really good. I, you know, it looks like a solid game. Yeah, I mean, yes, it looks. It, they 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 showed so much of that already at its own reveal, and then what they revealed new about the game um, at this conference, it's Royale mode. They didn't show. They didn't, you know, kind of talk about the the some of the larger plans for the game in terms of. There wasn't a lot of new information uh, presented at their press conference, so it right. kind of felt like, yeah, it looks like that. Right. Um, I think made it feel a little lackluster. And and then I think there's still just a little bit of uh, fatigue and uneasiness. I know they're saying a lot of the right things, but then if like the premium package or what, not the premium package, what like the, uh, what are they called? Uh, there's like, pass? there's like sports bucks. There's some oh. other form of currency for customization. So people are still, I think, I think people are still a little unsure about, um, the game and what it's going to be. Certainly it seems like all of these battle Royale announcements are, they do all feel very cobbled together at the last minute. There, there's not a lot to show yet. These companies are all saying we're going to have battle Royale in our game, call of duty battlefield. Uh, excuse me. Yeah. Battlefield. Uh, but um, they don't, you don't have anything to show. And it seems like it's all just sort of being thrown, thrown in the games at the last minute. So I, it's going to be interesting to see how these types of games handle that mode. But it certainly seems like that's a requirement at this point for any first-person shooter franchise. I'll tell you what, if uh, you're a developer and you're looking for people, I would be snapping up any boss key devs that are still available. Because yeah. I think they proved their chops in terms of quality of like animation, control, all that stuff with Lawbreakers while it wasn't a hit. And then they put together, if that was true, and they got their Battle Royale game out in four months. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Every company trying to add one of these should be calling up former Bosky people and being like, uh, hey, you got two months. What can, what can you do? Yeah, yeah. Um, they then transitioned to FIFA and showed, uh, new FIFA stuff. I'm not a FIFA guy. I don't think you're a FIFA guy. We're not really qualified to comment on it, but more FIFA. Yeah, I, th- I think the include, you know, what they're showing there is more, right? It, it's, it's, they're giving you FIFA, uh, the World Cup content in, in 2018 for free. Then they're expanding it with the Premier League Cup for next year's play. And so like these games, these annual games, I think are hard to constantly add to and, and tinker with and toy with. Um, but it looks like it has something for fans to get excited about that is new and different. And it still is very pretty. Yeah. No mention of that narrative mode that I think had, had been the new hotness in the last few years, but. Maybe that'll still be a part of it, but I didn't hear them mention it. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, and then we had this odd moment in the audience with Vince Campella uh, from Respawn. <laughs> I don't know why they chose to do that in the audience. It felt like maybe they were trying to make it seem like, oh, he just happens to be here. Maybe Andrea will get him to t- say something. But it was obviously so planned and so canned that it just seemed like an odd thing not to just bring him out on stage, but uh, they, I think they wanted it to seem more casual. Like he didn't have anything to actually show, but they wanted to say something about the star Wars game that respawn is making. And they announced the title, which is Jedi fallen order. And the fact that it is coming between episodes three and four set the, that time period when all the Jedi are being eradicated and that you will play as a Jedi and you get to use a lightsaber but other than that, we don't know much until next year's E3, which Vince seemed to indicate will be a big coming out party for that game. And then that game will eventually launch in fall of 2019, supposedly, unless it gets delayed. 
Um, I'm excited. I love Respawn. I, I really think that's a very strong studio. You and I were such, we went gaga over Titanfall 2. And so I'm excited to see what they do with a Star Wars game. But it, it seemed like an odd moment for the press conference. Yeah, I think it was just we had to say something. Uh, we have a captive audience. People are curious about this. Um, let's say something. But yeah, I think it was weird. I think um, in terms of just from a presentation standpoint, I think just having a trailer and a placeholder logo that seems to be very acceptable <laughs> yeah. starting like last year, two years ago and going forward with other companies that we'll also talk about later today. Um, I think that approach would have, you know, played a little better after they talked about Battlefront 2, a, a glitch approach or something and be like, oh yeah, and also, and then it's like, cuts to Vince's out there on stage being like, ah, oh, there are other ways to have sold it. My favorite part of that though, is I really felt like he had a hat on that he wanted to wear and it did not get media approval. He had like, just, it was like a, it looked like a very <laughs> new blank black baseball cap. Someone tweeted at me like, what do you mean? He's just joining the MCU. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, all yeah, like characters. they swapped it out for this. Like you can't wear that, but I'm wearing yeah. a hat. Okay. Wear this one then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was odd to then transition into Battlefront 2. You're right. I think it would have worked stronger if it had been flip-flopped where you had the Battlefield 2 stuff and then and then you go, oh, yeah, also get excited for next year. But this one felt like, well, we can't show you this, so here's the, here's the Star Wars game we have to apologize for. It just felt poorly constructed as a, as a theatrical moment. Uh, but I actually thought the stuff they talked about with regard to Battlefield 2 – Sorry, I keep doing that. Battlefront two, it's their Battlefield fault. and Battlefront. I get them. I always do that. I do that with um, GameSpot and GameStop too. I yep. always get to say the wrong one. Um, but uh, I actually thought the stuff they talked about uh, is with regard to Clone Wars DLC and new characters and how they really feel like they need, they believe in the game and they need to reinvigorate it because they didn't start strong. I thought the messaging all was pretty good. It just it felt like a weird placement after a Star Wars game that sounded really exciting. It was like, but we have this one. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know who pulled the shortest straw to, you know, how they decided who came out to talk about that. Cause that's an uncomfortable position. And it, it, it's what a lot of companies are doing right now. Also, right. It's the Wells Fargo. We lost your trust, but trust us. Or like Facebook. Yeah, we messed up, but not anymore. Like right. that's kind of the theme of, of a lot of big companies for 2018. Um, it, it's a hard position. It's a game they clearly think that there's, you know, more in and that the community can, can get excited about. But, um, they also spend so much of their conference talking about, talking around how that game was a mistake. It's just weird when like the opening part of your conference is like, none of this stuff you hate. We learned our lesson. And here's this guy to talk about that game that you hated, but now it's better. We're sorry. It's weird. It's weird. It is weird. And I don't quite. I don't quite, I mean, I, I think it's necessary and I, I just think there's a better way to handle all that stuff. And I, it, it, you know, all these corporate apologies start to feel a little disingenuous at a certain point, but I guess that's a different topic. It, it just seems like an odd moment, but I do think that I hope that, that, you know, Battlefront 2 eventually becomes the game we all wanted it to be. Um, I'm not playing it, but I hope people are. I think that then led into what I, I found to be really the high point of the whole uh, of the whole conference for me, which was showing Sea of Solitude, which is that uh, that EA game that we predicted in our prediction show last week that would be sort of their uh, incubator, you know, uh, title. And this is a game that they are not 
directly producing. It's an independently produced game, but they're helping get the word out on it. Sea of Solitude. Interestingly, uh, Cornelia Geppert, who is the developer that was on stage to show it, who very charming, very real, very honest. Uh, Anthony Carboni and I actually interviewed her two years ago at PAX 2016 when she was still working on this game and looking for a publisher. She was at PAX interviewing with publishers to try to find who would publish it. And, um, she showed, we played an early version of the game and, and she showed it to us and we talked to her. I think you can still find that on Carboni's YouTube channel. I remember that I walked by you guys. You guys were very high on it even two years ago. It, yes. Well, mostly as a result of her. She's so authentic and, and she really believes in this project and it's about more than just being a video game. It really is, I think, very personal for her. As she said, it's a game about loneliness. Uh, as, as, as sort of expressed through a video game. And I think it's really beautiful. I think it, it really resonated with a lot of people in the show. And I'm so glad to see her, um, in this kind of position. I hope it doesn't blow up and become, um, you know, bigger than it should be, you know, in, in the sort of, uh, uh, no man's sky unraveled way that, that sometimes these things can become snowballs that overwhelm these developers who are not used to that kind of white hot spotlight. Um, but I certainly am glad the game is getting more attention. And I think a lot of people were really impressed with what they saw. Yeah, it looks beautiful. I'm still not exactly sure what type of game it is. I got a little inside vibe um, from it where you're kind of running from these red eyed monsters or you're yeah. trying to escape in these, you have a lot of these just making the jump by the seat of your pant moment, but also open loneliness exploration. So I'm yeah. curious to see, you know, what two hours with the game feels like, but in terms of a, a sizzle and a presentation, it, you know, struck all the right notes of being beautiful, stylized, um, and then also seeming very personal and having a developer that was speaking from the heart and not, I'm, ex- and you're, and we, yeah, <laughs> let's do it, you know. Yeah. And like I said, having met her, like that was not a put on. She, that's, that's the person that I met two years ago. And she was just, you know, this, this very passionate developer who was working with a very tiny team. I think there was three of them making wow. the game at that point. Um, and she was at PAX, like shopping it around, trying to get, get some money to, to finish it. And I'm just so glad that she has managed to find that. And kudos to EA for, for these kinds of games to, uh, to, you know, really fill out what, what is a, uh, uh, franchise heavy uh, slate for them. Like the, the fact that they're building in new IP and finding these small projects to bolster, I think, I think is a good thing for them to be doing. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm not sure if it was around there that we saw unraveled Two, but unraveled Two um, is a game that you can play right now. So there's no real much reason to talk about it, but I'm glad unraveled is still continuing and it uh, seems like a really beautiful game. I'm excited to download it myself and try it after E3 is over. Yeah, it, I remember the first game was also beautiful. I, I feel like this, uh, the idea of it's out now is kind of this moment that has resonated with developers or these pre- presentations over the past few years. And I'm curious for listeners and people that aren't at E3, if this is cool and it's like a little game like Unraveled coming, and I don't mean that uh, negatively about the game, but like an indie game like Unraveled coming out in the middle of E3, is that something that is good because it's like, it got a lot of exposure, so now I'm going to go download and play it. Or is it bad because you kind of forget about it? Uh, websites and podcasts don't really spend time talking about it. We're not going to get a review of it, for, you know, done for at least a week uh, yeah. until one of us can can spend time with it. And I'm always curious how that approach works because I think the first game was was beautiful and had some really cool gameplay ideas. I think ultimately it it missed the mark um, 
more than it hit it in terms of its complexity as a platformer. But this version, I think with co-op, looks like it could be really strong. And I'm curious if, uh, you know, it's going to get the time it deserves or if we mention it now <laughs> and then we kind of move on from it. Yeah, it's a, I think it's an interesting gamut to release a game. It's it's a popular thing because you have all these eyeballs and, and people are like clamoring for cool new stuff to play. And it's like, oh, here's something cool new stuff right now. Go download it. I think that's probably a, a pretty cool thing for people watching at home. But uh, you do miss out on all of the press talking about your game because everybody that would review your game is doing something else this week. So, um, you know, I think it's an interesting gamble. Uh, we saw quick shots of NBA Live 19 and Madden 19. Got some people out on stage. Um, those games, they were sort of light on details as to new features or new reasons to buy them. But I guess the, just the pure momentum of these sports franchises sell themselves. Yeah, I think NBA was just... We're still doing it, you know, good for yeah. them too, because that, that franchise has had a hard time and NBA 2K is incredible year after year. They had problems, I guess if it was two years ago, three years ago and continuing last year with some of their microtransaction issues, but the on the court basketball of 2K's NBA game has been phenomenal and EA's NBA live or whatever they've tried to call it over the last, you know, almost a decade now has had a lot of problems. So I think for this one to come out, and be shown so prominently with a splashy trailer, you know, shows a level of confidence in it. Um, and they gave it a release date, day and date with 2K. So they're, they're in, they're in it, right? Yeah. And then Madden, yeah, they spent more time, I feel like, touting its, um, esportsness, you know, with Juju and, um, oh gosh, what was the, I forget the, the esport player's name. Yeah. Um, but they spent a lot of time on that and less time on, like, it, it has the narrative feature in it, but that wasn't a big part of their, press conference they didn't spend time on that they didn't talk about what the new move would you know if they're adding a, a new juke or quarterback vision like things like that that usually spend time with it was just here's the game it looks pretty it's football what are you gonna do yeah i was waiting for them to tell me what new systems yeah new systems have been improved in this oh, pc that was the new system they improved yeah i guess so i guess so <laughs> for madden but you know it is what it is, and people are going to buy it. It's the only NFL game on the block. So what else? What else are you going to buy if you want? If you want uh, NF, uh, NFL in your yeah in your life, uh, and then we had a very odd moment where some shoutcasters were brought on stage, uh, and then <laughs> and two very popular streamers started playing a mobile game. We got a very what they're known for streaming, right? Uh, right, Clash of Clans, <laughs> fellas, uh, and uh, we we got a very rudimentary d- description of how the game works, and then they played it at length as it was shoutcast, and then after all of that, we saw this mobile game played, and we saw these three control points fought over, and it was very long and drawn out, and we saw an entire match with these two two guys, although you know. Not that long of a match in the in the grand scheme. It's a pretty quick playing game, but still, we saw it in completion. And then after it was over, hey, it's a Command and Conquer game. It's Command and Conquer mobile game. It's Command and Conquer Rivals. Weird, weird way to do that. Uh, I don't know why you would ever want to show something and then have that be something that nobody would associate with a very popular franchise. And it's like, Hey, bet you didn't realize this is part of a popular franchise. It's like, well, isn't that bad that we wouldn't think this is part of a popular franchise. 
wouldn't we wouldn't you want it to be iconic to that franchise wouldn't it seems like such an odd way to do it it's like i'm i want to reveal what you just saw was command and conquer it's like that's terrible you want to say yeah what you're about to see is command and conquer how cool is this next step for the command and conquer franchise is that i don't know i think it's a difficult position uh so i want to step through a little bit of this i have a few thoughts but in that regard imagine if they had a command and conquer logo hit the screen everybody's like yeah like a beloved franchise it it's it's back baby and they're like and to show it off these two guys who play clash which is like a, a huge and you're like wait what and then they're like and it's a mobile and it's 1v1 but that's not how you do it you don't i mean that's that's what we saw microsoft do with gears of war but uh which we'll get to but that's not how you do it you don't show the big command and conquer logo you go i'm you know, the Command and Conquer franchise has been gone for a long, long time, and we're bringing it back, but in a way that we've, we've never done it before. You know, you say something mm. like that, where it's temper your expectations. It's like, this is different. <laughs> this is a new, <laughs> new step for the franchise. Command and Conquer is coming to mobile when anybody can play it. You know, it, it just seems like an odd thing to be like, you just watch an entire match of a thing. You have no idea what it is. Oh, guess what? It's a thing that you should know what it is. But you couldn't. There's no way for you to know because it doesn't look anything like that. It just seems like an, I don't know, really, I think poorly handled. But also a game that doesn't look very fun to me. <laughs> so on top of that, even regardless of how they did the messaging, I think I would have come away from watching it like that didn't look very fun to me. Yeah, know. I'm curious what its monetization is. I think it's easy to make fun of mobile games, but I've certainly enjoyed my share of sure, them. Yeah. Um, and. I'm excited about one we'll talk about <laughs> later. Not to, I just want to break our, our format for people keeping track of what conference we're in. Yeah. Um, so, and I think it could be, you know, very popular, but I'm curious what the monetization is. I'm curious how it's sold. I'm curious, um, in terms of it real time, one V one, you know, connections. It, it's not a first person shooter, certainly. So it doesn't require the, the best of connection, but Fortnite and stuff like that works on mobile. But just in terms of showing a full match, of an RTS, it was so bizarre versus just that, that trailer they had was fantastic with like the CG characters battling it out in the desert. And then it cut to game footage. Like that's all we needed. And then you have a dev or, or, or Andrea walk on stage and sell the high points and then move on. It was really, really weird. Yeah. And I think anytime you present a game like that showing, weird stilted overly long gameplay like edit you're able to edit edit yeah Yeah. i agree i agree not a strong moment and really as you said way too much time spent on that i think for what it ended up being uh but the big i think the big game that they rested a lot of their laurels on was anthem and that was the game i was most excited about coming into the conference they handled this in a really interesting way, too. They brought Andrea back on stage and three of the developers um, from Bioware, and including Corey Hudson. Um, and they sat down for an extended sort of casual discussion about the game, stepping us through some of the systems. We found out new details about Anthem. We got to see a gameplay trailer and more, more footage of the game. Um, we found out there are four of these javelin suits that you'll be able to wear. You're not restricted to one. It's not like a class system. You can actually own all four of them. Your character can, uh, that it is a true, uh, you know, cooperative open world mission based shooter. Um, they, 
gave lip service to the fact that it is mixing the Bioware style of storytelling and decision and narrative with this uh, persistent uh, multiplayer progression loot system. Uh, but nothing that they showed really emphasized that aspect. That's one of the things I predicted last week or was hoping to see last week when we were talking about it, that, that it really would take the Destiny model and add a Bioware level of narrative polish. And they gave lip service to that, but we didn't really ever see that in action. Um, I also got to see more of the mission that they showed behind closed doors. They were showing the, the full playthrough of the mission, including the menu system and stuff. But I'm curious what you came away thinking of Anthem. I think it is gorgeous. Um, I, you know, I'm assuming the version that we get to play will look something like that. Um, I think they did a good job in terms of popping numbers off of people. You know, it's like a, it's a, it's very satisfying to, thing to see numbers pop off of people. Yeah, it's closer to Destiny than it is Borderlands, but it's it's moved toward Borderlands away from Destiny. Like combo, com. I don't know what's comboing when they were doing that, but it, you're like. Cool. <laughs> yeah, no, like I, I agree 100% on that point. Like, they kept saying, well, behind closed doors, they were giving a little more detail about some of the loot systems and the fact that these characters were outfitted with legendary versions of some of the things and they were going to huh. do cool combos. But I had no sense of how they initiated that combo or what the combo was telling me was a combo or even what cool special weapons they had. It seemed like they were just shooting each other. There was a guy with a flamethrower. And that was cool, but other than and there was a guy with a uh, ice grenade at one point. But other than that, it didn't feel like there were cool special abilities uh, or ways in which those combos happened. It just felt like shooting to me. Yeah, so that's so I'll say one other thing that I liked about the game before I talk about some reservations uh, that I have on it. One thing that I really liked about it is if it is this, you know, loot grind customization. Um, tweak out your mechs or uh, javelins any way, which way you want. I think third person, third person destiny gets me excited. <laughs> yeah. Because see- you get to see all those cool things that you've looted and, and right. customized. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in destiny, I get to see it in menus basically. Or when I dance and then yeah. I, you know, then I end up dancing too much because I want to show off my stuff. Right. Um, so I really like that. I like that, you know, the, the air to land, you know, what they showed last year to see where you kind yeah. of your javelin is, you know, more mobile than otherwise. I think that looks really cool. Um, and I like the class types in terms of that being your suit, I think was really cool. Um, so I, I think there's stuff to get excited about. The thing by reservations are, uh, I agree with you, Jeff. It looked, a, it looked very shootery. They talked about there's going to be this story and it's going to be Bioware and we're going to have all this stuff, but. Bungie, I'm okay with it being shooty because they have made some of the best shooters ever up until that point in terms of like the control and feel. Yeah. Bioware hasn't. And I hope to be impressed, but, um, I'm just not confident that's what I want from them. What I want from them is storytelling and going on, um, getting a, a companion and, and finding all of that cool stuff. And so I'm, I'm concerned that what they're leaning into is not Bioware strengths. And so I'm not sure um, how great it's going to be. But also, and I'm not sure which way I fall on this, February is sooner than I thought. Yeah. And does that mean, what version of Anthem do you think we get in February? 
you know, like they kept saying the story can be expanded. We can add things. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like they were saying, don't worry. There's more. Well, I think it's one of those things that, you know, these games of service and, and that was the plan from the outset is that it's this thing that's continually evolving just like Destiny is. There's new, you know, DLC and there's new updates and there's new story bits. I think that's, that's the plan. I did see the game being played in real time in front of me with four people. I'm pretty sure they were playing on, I know they were playing on PCs and I'm pretty sure those PCs had 1080 TIs in them. So take from that what you will as far as where the game is. Um, but it looked really, really beautiful it rendered in real time, uh, on those, on that big screen that I was looking at. I didn't get a chance to actually get hands on myself, but I did watch people play it and they were playing it live. Uh, and yeah, it looks real pretty. Um, the one thing that was cool is that two of the players that were playing in the match that I saw both had the same suit. They were both the juggernaut, I think it's called, the big heavy mech mm-hmm. one, but they were wildly different looking. They had completely different um, cosmetic things and completely different weapon um, uh, loadouts is the word I was looking for. And that was cool. It was cool to see how different the same suit can look and feel. Like it, one was faster and had a jet on the back and the other one had like big uh, Gatling gun on its arm. And I thought that was neat. Um, they showed how loot drops in the game, but they must have disabled any kind of notification system because every time they picked up the loot, it didn't tell you what they were picking up. So there's mm. no sense of what the loot is, whether it's like bits and bobs for your suit or if it's more than that. I'm very curious as to how all that loadout system works and how different you can continue to make things and how personalized and what, what you're actually looting. Are you looting a new gun? Are you looting the ability to augment a very static set of guns? What is it? Um, they show the menu system. Uh, the game is very much like Destiny in the sense that you are compiling a, a fire team or whatever they're going to call their version of a fire team <laughs> before you start. And then you jump into a, a map that has various quests available to it and you go to those things. And I mean, it is, it's destiny. It is really destiny like. Uh, but I, I agree with you. Third person destiny is already a, a, a step up and third person destiny where I get to play basically Iron Man flying around. That's pretty compelling. I was just very disappointed not to see that story layer that I was hoping for. And even in the behind closed door stuff where you see the beginning of the, the, um, mission being accepted you are having some dialogue but it feels very static it feels very much like more like a cutscene to start the match the match the mission um than anything else and it's really odd in a third person game where everything else is first person like when you're in your you have this really cool mobile base that's a big walker so the walker moves around the map evidently but that's your base and you have you go inside that and that's where your javelin suit hangs out that's a cool idea to have a base that's a walker. I think it's awesome. And all the people are hanging out inside that and you talk to them, but it's all in first person, which is so weird that you're in first person until you play the game and then the game is in third person. I just think that's strange, but it's gorgeous. The The character models in that sequence are, are really uh, highly detailed as you saw from, from some of the other uh, trailers. But there's no like dialogue options. There was no... At least not what they showed. Maybe there is that stuff in the game, but it didn't really seem to have any bioware-ness to that level of interaction. Yeah, maybe they're just not ready to show that yet because I feel like the stuff, the replayable, grindable, lootable stuff isn't the thing where you want to have to work through 
a 20 minute conversation to get to or play over and over and over again, right? Like they're separate play styles that can exist in one game, but I think that they have to be sectioned off appropriately because otherwise you're like, Oh, I want to run this again. Either the, the narrative gives you a reason why you can run it again and you don't go through that same decision tree, but then isn't the experience pretty different if you're not going through those conversations or you kind of have your loot repeat, you know, go save this anthem or whatever it is and come back. And then you have your story that kind of moves you through the world. Yeah. Uh, Darth Tithus in the chat uh, asked if they were rehearsed Bioware reps playing. Yes, they were. He says if they were rehearsed, uh, then it's entirely possible that the demo was held together with toothpicks and bubblegum. Certainly is possible. I happen to know um, some press were given the ability to play the game hands-on. Um, a lot of the E3 judges were allowed to play it. So I don't think that's the case. Uh, it certainly seemed like, yes, they were rehearsed, but I don't think it was uh, smoke and mirrors. It really does seem like a playable game that that is robust and ready to ready to go. Um, so I, I don't have that suspicion, but I did come away from it not as hyped as the dream of what that game could be was last year. I really was blown away by the trailer they showed last year. This year, it, it, it seems like that same game, but it just really feels like third-person Destiny, which is fun. It just not... It doesn't appear to be more than that, which is what I was hoping for. Well, if it can be third person Destiny the Taken King <laughs> or third person <laughs> yeah. Destiny Forsaken, what look Forsaken looks to be, that that sounds like a great a great game to me. I'm just worried it's gonna be Destiny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um here's hoping. And and what a crazy February we're we're going to have if that holds to its date um someone's blinking there's like five games that are all the same day right now it's gonna be it's it's yeah yeah february is the new fall i guess uh crazy um let's move on now oh before we do that ea overall uh i found it to be a very uneven press conference some highlights uh but ultimately pretty consistent with EA in the sense that, that that's kind of what they do every year, right? There's nothing particularly surprising, but also nothing, you know, horrible. Um, I, it's, it's never a top tier press conference in my opinion, but they show some solid things. It was super serviceable. Last year's I think was better because Anthem was like a whoa moment. Yeah. And this year it didn't elevate on that. I think from a presentation standpoint, there's things that they can learn. I think using Andrea or someone like her more, um, some of the devs are probably very talented developers, weren't great at talking about their development. Um, and I also think don't cut to the audience just because the script says hold for applause when no one in the audience is clapping and you pan to one guy who looks like he just killed himself. Like <laughs> oh, God. some of those audience shots Not are a- just brutal not a good reference in a in a week where too very no, I, I apologize i didn't yeah. mean to make light of that That's, yeah that is on me i apologize yeah. um uh yeah i misspoke but uh just there's, there's a way to do it right sell it sell yeah. it and that's not about the video games they showed, but it's about how they presented them. And I would say that it was a step down from last year's show, even though she already was my friend. I do think andrea was probably the high point of their presentation this i agree year. yeah she was fantastic um, okay, so we'll move on. We have uh, so much to get through uh, with Microsoft and Bethesda, so stick around. But we do want to thank our sponsor, 
Casper. I'm going to, I'm not going to be sleeping much this week with E3 because uh, I'm going to be constantly at the show doing podcasts, coming home late. But thank goodness Casper exists to give me a good night's sleep. Uh, I got a Casper several years ago. It was so cool how it came to my house uh, in its uh, kind of cool packaging. They deliver it right to your house. They give you this neat little opener. You pop it open. It unfolds like magic in your house. Casper is a mattress, a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get the best rest one night at a time. And these these mattresses are really high quality, but they won't break your bank. Uh, these the Casper, what they are able to do is cut out the middleman, cut out those big box mattress stores, cut out the salespeople that are pushy and, and make you uncomfortable every time you want to try to buy a mattress in a big box store. Nobody likes buying a mattress. There's nobody that loves going to a mattress store. That's why Casper's so great because you can do it all online. It's easy. And the experts at Casper really created a quality sleep surface that cradles your natural geometry in all the right places. I can speak to that. It's pretty amazing. Uh, and you spend a third of your life sleeping, so you should at least be comfortable there. Casper has become very popular. They have over 20,000 reviews with an average of 4.8 stars across Casper, Amazon, and Google. They're becoming the internet's favorite mattress. And they have uh, several different mattresses, the Wave and the Essential. The Wave features a patent-pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body. And the Essential has streamlined design at a price that won't keep you up at night. Free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. <coughs> Excuse me. And you can be sure of your purchase with Casper because of their 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. That's 100 nights. 100 nights you can sleep on a Casper mattress before making up your mind. That's completely risk-free. Sleep on the mattress. Check it out. If you don't like it, they'll come to your house and pick it up. Take it away. It's pretty amazing. And the best part is, with our promo code, if you go to casper.com slash DLC, name my own show, casper.com slash DLC, you'll get $50 towards select mattresses, by visiting casper.com slash DLC and then using the promo code DLC at checkout. Terms and conditions apply, but give it a shot. Upgrade your sleep. Rest easy, especially after a very busy E3 week. Casper.com slash DLC and that promo code DLC. All right, Christian, let's dive into Microsoft. Uh, there's so much to get through here. It's an insane... 50 games, 18 world exclusives, or whatever. Yeah, they rattled off those stats at the beginning, and uh, it was a little bewildering. I found the pace of this conference to be, at least at the, the first half of it, to be almost too much to handle. It was There were <laughs> games that they would introduce and then be on to the next one, and I was not even quite sure what I had seen yet. Um, and we talked about this in our E3 episode last week, our preview, uh, of E3, and I talked about how Microsoft has really settled into this uh, this in the last you know, two to three years. Oh, this wait. template. Hmm? We'll get, we can get to it with Microsoft, but we forgot EA uh, Premiere Origin Premiere. So let's, let's oh, right. connect to that dot when we get back when we get to it in Microsoft, which yeah, we will. it definitely seems just... to be a, a theme that's that's running, and uh, and I know it's very much something that you have wanted for a while. So yeah, we'll definitely talk about that. Um, but yeah, so. You know, Microsoft has has landed on this template of just really being, for the most part, a trailer show. 
You know, it's just trailer after trailer after trailer after trailer with almost no human beings on stage. I think there were a few more this year than even last year, but uh, large sections of the show is just a trailer and then the next trailer and then the next trailer, uh, which I think is is kind of crowd-pleasing and, and a lot of what people want. But at a certain point, I felt like I need a little context of what I'm even looking at here with some of these games. Let's talk about what they showed. They started the, the show very, very strongly, of course, with their premier franchise, Halo, and showed a trailer that I don't think anybody realized was Halo for a while. It showed animals, a rhinoceros, and uh, deer running across very beautiful landscape, and then landed on the Master Chief helmet and the Halo music. I thought it was a pretty darn cool trailer. And then the, the logo, Halo Infinite, and then we were off to something else, and I was like, well, but what is Halo Infinite? <laughs> I pictured, like, yeah, and here's David Ellis or <laughs> Dim Longo, or here's someone to talk about this game. And there was yeah. none, none of that. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty wild that we got an, a Halo announcement of a new game without even understanding, like, is this just a multiplayer game? Halo Infinite certainly implies a multiplayer game that you can play infinitely, uh, but maybe it's just a snappy title for Halo 6. My theory is that this is how Halo does Destiny uh, with a persistent world that you can level up and they will continue upgrading and and um, adding more content to over time. But we certainly have no idea if that's the case. We don't know anything about it other than the name and that weird enigmatic trailer. So... And that Master Chief's going to go kill some humans, finally. Isn't that what it looked like to me? They're like those humans in those rings. Then it pans up and Master Chief's on a cliff. And I was like, oh, damn. Master Chief's going to go kill some humans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was an an odd thing. I mean, it was a stirring way to start the show. Yeah. But I felt I couldn't help but feel a little... uh, unfulfilled on, on... Like, am I supposed to be excited for this? How far off are we from it? What even is it? What is it? If I needed. It, I, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, if it had, if it had come up and said Halo Six, I at least would have an idea of what game it is. But because it's called Halo Infinite, it feels like it's not a mainline Halo game, and therefore a lot of question marks as to what this thing even is. Yeah, I think uh, they they need to give a little tidbit as to what it is. Just something like this is our playground going forward. We will see epic campaigns. And the, ser- the the hallmark multiplayer the series is known for, plus something new. We'll be talking about it more in a year, in 2019, or yeah. whatever. Just something. But right now, I it's like it's called Halo Infinite because that's the number of questions you have about the game. Where it's just it, it's it's it looked gorgeous, it looked cool, but it's just kind of like Microsoft saying like Halo, we still make that, and we're yeah. like, yeah, we know. But they're like, but did you see it? Yeah. Uh, sure. It was weird. Shuttermonster in the in the chat brings up, uh, I think, the key point here is that it it, al- it almost was a reveal for this new engine. This that was, yeah. I think, the key point is, hey, we built a new Halo engine. Look how pretty it is. It was real pretty. It was real pretty. Um, so I, you know, clearly that is what the Halo franchise will be built on going forward, and I'm sure we can see more of that later. But as far as a game announcement, it felt a little hollow. <laughs> Halo was hollow. Um, but you know, it's cool to start a press conference off with Halo. It felt like, well, okay, well, if you're shooting that bullet first, there's going to be some bigger stuff coming later. And there certainly was, uh, they kept things rolling by moving to Ori and the will of the wisps. I know you're a big Ori fan. 
What did you think of what they showed of Will of the Wisps? It looks gorgeous. I was just a little sad that it had a 2019 at the end of it. I, I was kept hoping it was sooner, but I, you know, take your time. That kind of game is intricate in terms of how they overlap and where you go with the map and what the powers are and when you can get to certain places. So I'd rather have them nail it than have it come out half baked. But that and, um, Guacamelee 2, I feel like I'm ready for both of them already. And I don't know exactly when Guacamelee is coming out, but I thought I was hoping that Ori would be a, play it in September kind of game, but it looks stunning. Absolutely gorgeous. Stunning. Just beautiful. Yeah. Um, I didn't fall in love with Ori, the, the first one as much as you did, but man, it is a, just a gorgeous looking game for sure. Um, and then we got a real shocker, a real big genuine reveal of a game. Nobody knew about, uh, this is published by Activision and it's from, from software it's called Sekiro Dra- uh, Shadows Die Twice. Shikiro or Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Uh, it's been a long day, guys. I, my, my mouth isn't working in concert with my brain anymore. Anyway, this looks, uh, you know, it's from software, so it does seem to have a little bit of Souls DNA, but it certainly doesn't look like a Souls game. It's got traversal and uh, it's got some samurai aesthetic that looks really cool. What did you make of this? Yeah, I think it has a, a decent amount of Souls DNA in it. Um, you know, the, those huge monsters coming out and kind of the parry block dash. Like it wasn't getting uh, super involved with the fight mechanic, but it looked like there was a long fight, right? It's not you're going to run up on this big bat and, and take it down. Um <laughs> I mean, it's as a compliment. I don't know. I don't think it matters what genre from software tackles. They make my nightmares. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they made feudal Japan just seem horrific. <laughs> His like arm is even the protagonist. It's like just oozing with style. Something that I think would give Tim Burton nightmares. And I think it's really cool that they keep finding new genres or new locales to do this and give their own unique spin on whether it was you know, medieval or fantasy, um, Victorian or kind of steampunky. And now with, um, ancient Japan or whatever and, and samurai, uh, and good for, good for Xbox for going out and getting this game. I think Bloodborne was a big get for Sony. Uh, the year it came out, that was one of those ones that was like, you know, Oh, Xbox doesn't have this blah, blah, blah. And this is, this is big. I know it's Activision. So it's, everywhere at some point right but yeah you'd think i I don't think this one said exclusive in front of it but i can't keep track of which ones were exclusive and which weren't Um, but it's a big it's a big uh, conference kit kind of like the first time they showed final fantasy and they now did with kingdom Hearts spoiler for in a few minutes um i think those are big press conference moments yeah i was hanging out with um our friend anthony taramina all day and he and i were sitting next to each other for this and you know he is a big souls fan he he said the b team at from software really is the B team and the, and that um, there's a lot of uh, drop off in quality between the A A team and the B team. So he's hoping this isn't the B team game. Um, hmm. So we'll see. I don't, I don't know if I, I don't have enough firsthand knowledge to agree or disagree with that, but uh, it'll be interesting. It, it certainly looks a little different. I felt like a faster pace than you usually see from a, from software game. Uh, and I like the sort of traversal stuff. The, the grappling hook looked really neat and you know, I don't know. looks like a cool game. Yeah. Uh, after that, Todd Howard came out on stage and discussed uh, Fallout 76, which, of course, we'll talk much more about uh, during the 
Bethesda part of our show, which will be, which will be last. Um, Criso in the chat said, it's crazy that Todd revealed Fallout 76 at the Microsoft conference. I mean, we already knew it was happening and it wasn't a reveal reveal, but, uh, it was pretty cool that they were out there at the Microsoft conference, um, showing that game and talking about their history on Microsoft consoles. That was Fallout 4 as well, though, if I remember correctly. They yeah. did the same thing. They showed a little bit of it, like a trailer, and then gave you in-depth later in the night. Yeah, and it, and I came away from that moment thinking, is this going to be... We had heard all these rumors about it being a survival game. Is this going to be like a mainline Fallout role-playing game? Because he was talking about it being bigger than Fallout 4 and all this stuff, and I was like, boy, it sure sounds like this is the New Vegas to four uh, or you know as uh, what new vegas was to three this is to four but uh of course we found out later exactly <laughs> what that is and we'll get to that um after the fallout 76 um was an adorable looking game a, a game that seemed very charming called captain spirit um this is from um oh who is it the the, the people that made um oh, what's the name of that game uh um brain's not working uh... Life is Strange. Yes. People who made Life is Strange. And this, to me, I immediately thought, this is like the movie version of Where the Wild Things Are, but done as a video game. It looked really, really interesting. Yeah, I got uh, whatever the step right before Teary-Eyed is for this story. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, this looks nice. And it was like, they hit, they hit you with a line of like, your mom would have loved to see this. And I was like, oh, crap, his mom's dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then it's like he's an alcohol, like struggling yeah. with it, and the kid he's getting bullied at school. I'm like, um, damn, this game looks great. <laughs> it looks great. Yeah, I'm excited for it. It does. It. I love stuff that's really doing this with the medium. You know, that's really trying to express something that's a little bit different. You know, you get a, you get your fifteenth uh, post apocalyptic shooty shoot, and and these kinds of things, uh, I think stand out. <laughs> uh, Shogun Do, uh, in the chat said, uh, or Shogun D, he said, David Cage presents Captain Spirit. It did look a little bit like that, but of course, you know, that's, that's what these games are. And I, I'm all for it. I, tell me a cool story with a video game. Make it interactive. I'm into it. Um, and then we saw the latest update on Crackdown 3, which, man, uh, I, w- I want to love Crackdown 3, and I'm getting farther and farther away from that. I, Crackdown 3 for two years was like my most anticipated E3 game, because I love the first Crackdown. But uh, this this game looks a little clunky. It looks like it's um, chasing something that I don't think it should be chasing, this kind of weird, over-the-top uh, humor thing that I think, we've seen before uh, with saints row and it's not, I don't know. I don't know. What did you think of crackdown three? Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed agents of mayhem. I know it did not get reviewed well, but right now it crackdown three looks to me like a little less inspired version of agents of mayhem. It, it just, they didn't show anything new or exciting about it. Um, and I think they were really trying to get people like my car turns into a tank. Woo. Like I love Terry Crews. Who doesn't like Terry Crews? He could just stand next to me and yell, woo. Every, every five minutes. I'd be like, it was a good day. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I just didn't, you, 
you didn't see large enemy uh, enemy count coming at you, like crowd control, kind of the way the first game was known for, which I think now we look back on and it's like, oh, those were five <laughs> five enemies. But back when you were first playing that game, I remember it felt overwhelming and really cool. Um, it, it didn't really highlight a bunch of destructibility, which isn't, I, I don't know. And I, I, I don't, I don't know. And it didn't show me a huge, um, skill tree as I was unlocking my orbs and seeing how my character would change. I did that montage of the gun kind of morphing and changing to all these different types of things. But, you know, February 2019 hopefully gives them time to, to make it that game. Cause I think the franchise certainly can still be awesome. Um, in terms of like when you think about what is crackdown, it could be a great game and hopefully this gets there. But I think by focusing on Terry Crews, like I feel like Crackdown is a game that could lean heavily into customization and uh, costumes and outfit and dress up, and they didn't show that aspect of the game. It, it feels a little lost to me right now. Yeah, I'm so excited. Uh, we got, um, I think, our our friend Sharif Jackson from Spawn on Me just joined us. Hey, Sharif. Hey, how are you doing? Good, man. I know it's very late where you are. I appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us and talk a little uh, E3 press conferences. Yeah, I was watching all the conferences. I, I was I was telling you how hype I was, and I was so hyped that I nodded off. Uh, so, <laughs> no, uh, I know it's very late. Uh, we're we're doing this much later than normal, and uh, I'm so glad that you're able to to join us and weigh in. Uh, let's rewind a little bit and just get your general take on uh, EA's press conference. Christian and I have stepped through all the games there, but I'd love to get your general feeling on on what EA had to show. I thought it was okay. Um, I was expecting a little more uh, from uh, specifically NBA Live mm-hmm. um, and Madden as well. I mean, Madden on PC is a big deal, but I really thought they were going to at least mention some of the new features um, that they were going to have in, in the new game and perhaps an advancement on the story mode that, you know, that um, that I really enjoyed from, uh, from uh, last year as well. Um, they really doubled down a lot on FIFA, which was cool. Um, I knew it was going to be a lot of Anthem stuff. Um, and a lot of people didn't like to kind of sit down chat, uh, you know, um, that, um, Andrea did with the, uh, devs. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, yeah. cause I kind of like just hearing what devs think. Um, but I do agree that I wish that they would have kind of just walked through a level. Um, I think that like that probably would have, um, been a lot cooler to me for a press conference. I almost wish that to satisfy everybody, they they walk through a level and, and then said, like, you know, like, go to our website for, you know, detailed insight from Casey Hudson yeah. and the crew. Um, I think that might have worked a little better to please more people. But overall, I, I thought it was okay. Um, I'm still hyped for Anthem, but I don't know if it turned the table for anyone that wasn't already hyped for it. And I think that's what they're going to need to do, um, you know, as it gets closer to release. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because behind closed doors, they were showing basically what you're saying. They basically walked us through a whole level and, and had live commentary as, as we were stepping through it. And they were pointing out things. Uh, and they played it from start to finish. They started in a menu and went through. Uh, I mean, they skipped ahead in, in one section. But, um, yeah, I think that may have may have been stronger. It's interesting. Um so we've kind of progressed through the Xbox conference up to uh, Crackdown 3. Uh, what did you think of Crackdown 3? 
I mean, kind of the same I thought as last year, which was well, well, like now, now my thought is a little different because last year, like my thought was they need to push this back, and even then, I don't know if it's worth sixty bucks to. What about ten bucks on, a month? <laughs> I know that's that's exactly what, what I was about to say. I was like, I'm glad it's on Game Pass, <laughs> you know, because that's going to get me to actually check it out, and maybe it'll be a diamond in the rough, you know, like. I want to be optimistic about this game, but so far, every single thing I've seen about it has been completely unappealing. Um, yeah, I think it's funny that it goes from being a potential system seller type uh, exclusive to a diamond in the rough, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think you're well, right. Well, I, I think it was forced to be a system seller. Yeah. Like, obviously, originally Crackdown was never intended to be huge, and I think it kind of got put in that position just because of you know the date of microsoft's kind of first party game like development this generation and i'm like i don't know if it can hang there from what i've seen like i think it'll be a good hopefully it'll be a good game you know but i think with all this pressure on it as to you know really be something that you know that straight up microsoft fans can sort of lord over the heads of everybody i don't know if it's going to be that kind of game like i just I mean, hopefully they just completely turn the tables on us and I'm amazed by it. But so far I've just been like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I really, if I was in charge of the crackdown franchise, I would say let's de-emphasize the sort of fodder enemies and the gunplay and really make a, a orb finding puzzle game. You know, it's all about traversal. It's all about, uh, getting orbs so you can level up so you can get more orbs. And there's orbs that you can see on the t- top of things. But you they can't... have that game. It's called Orby in the Blind Forest, and it's great. <laughs> mm. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would I would make it like this big open world platformer that that you know you get an orb that lets you level up to get to the better orbs. And yeah, maybe there still is some car stuff and some maybe some some shooting but i think that would de-emphasize that and de-emphasize explosions and all that stuff and really double down on what made that first game so fun which was this city that felt like it had secrets in every nook and cranny and it was so fun exploring it but yeah that would be my take i agree with you all right, so then we saw a quick shot of Nier Automata become as God's Edition, which is pretty cool. That's coming to Xbox. Uh, and then uh, extended gameplay for Metro Exodus. I have to say, I got a little uh, post-apocalyptic shooter fatigue this year. Um, there's a lot of really excellent-looking ones, including Metro Exodus, but, man, so many games where it's like the first few shots of the trailer are... But they're all coming the same day next year, Jeff, so you'll be fine. The the trailer shows, you know, a a destroyed husk of a building that's all gray and overgrown with vegetation. It's just like we've seen that over and over and over. Nevertheless, what did you think of Metro Exodus, Sharif? I mean, I thought it was great. I mean, I agree that there are a lot of fatigue, but I still think that no one quite does it like Metro. I still think they have a unique take on it. Um and I think it's one of those games that I feel like as graphic technology improves, I always want to see a new Metro because what they do with lighting and what they do with environment um, and like sound, I, I always find to be amazing. So yeah. um, I'm almost looking forward to like a Metro to see how far they can push 
the the uh, tech as much as I'm looking forward to like this story and the gameplay and stuff. Did you think that the footage they showed this year lived up to last year's? Because I heard some people comment that maybe it looked like it had downgraded slightly visually. Um, not really. I mean, not that I noticed. I mean, I'm. I mean, I I didn't like you know. Uh, adjust my uh, eyes to the 60 frames a second so I could catch every frame. So yeah. maybe it looked a little worse. But but I don't think significantly, I don't think it was like a watchdogs kind of situation or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't I don't think so. Christian, what did you think of Metro? I think it looks great. Um, it's no one dev's fault that they're making a game in a similar genre or setting as other devs. Um, I think if you're fatigued on that, uh, I don't know if you're going to want to watch Sony's press conference. I know, <laughs> right? There's I have a feeling. Um, <laughs> but I think, it, I think it looks great. Uh, those games in the past, they have always been a little too Witcher 2 if that makes any sense. And I'm hoping that Exodus is a little more Witcher 3, where they were always just a little too cumbersome in control or resource management, or they, they prioritized their game system a little more over general playability. And I think the Witcher franchise did a great job catering to my tastes, going from 2 to 3. And I'm hoping that Metro does something similar um, going into Exodus. But like Shreve said, those games have always been beautiful and and really push the envelope, especially for what they're getting out of consoles. Um, <laughs> frame rate be damned sometimes, but uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see more of Exodus. Yeah, it looks, it looks really cool. And I think you might be right about that comparison to the Witcher three. I think it does look a little more, I don't know, Westernized, you know, and not, not so quite so European and simmy, um, which is, I think the similarity there between those, that comparison. Um, the opposite of something that has fatigue is the next game, which was shown, uh, which is Kingdom Hearts. Uh, huh? Yeah. Huh? Uh, and they <laughs> showed the long-rumored Frozen world, uh, as well as some other new Disney worlds. Uh, this game just looks like a delight. It looks like a delight to me, and I can't wait to play it. Yeah, I'm still not sure exactly how... Again, it's a it's a it's a press conference, so they're not going to be like, "Here's the tweaks we've made to combat." Those rumors you read are true, or like this in depth look. But it looks stunning. Also, I think it's another game where the graphic style that they chose works really well across all of the Disney franchises, where Wreck It Ralph looks as you would expect him to look, but also fits that universe. It doesn't. It's not just him ripped from the movie, along with Anna and Elsa as well, and. um I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And again, having this on a Microsoft press conference was, was a big get. And I think Phil, you know, rightfully said as much because it's not a place where you'd expect to see that much time given to it. And it had never been on their console before. That was the moment, by the way, in the conference when Phil was standing right next to me. I don't know if everybody saw me, but. Well, I saw, I saw you and took a picture of you to send to you. And I was hoping <laughs> I could see you check your text while I was watching you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he just was strolled down where I was sitting on the aisle. And I got a lot of people are like, oh, I think I saw you on the thing. I was like, yeah, yeah, Phil was right there. Uh, anyway, what do you think of Kingdom Hearts? I feel like this is a game for you, Sharif. Yeah, I mean, it should be. But for some reason, I've never gotten into them. Really? Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I don't know what it is. I love Disney. I love these kind of games. And for some reason, Kingdom Hearts never sunk its hooks in me. Now, I... I taught a gaming class this uh, past semester, and I had one student that was really into Kingdom Hearts, 
and and he kind of kind of got me kind of like man maybe i should kind of revisit these games um so i think this might be a good time to jump in i think i might uh i think i might jump in on this one because i believe it's coming out like right in january of uh, 2019 so yeah it looks um, so yeah good. i mean i i agree i mean it looks great um, you know, and, uh, I heard some people saying, oh, like the story is very convoluted of the first two and like you need to play them all to, you know, really I get mean, out of this third one. And I'm like, whatever, I'll just jump in. I'll I, read a wiki or something. Yeah. I don't in. think, I don't think you're going to miss out <laughs> on it. I mean, it's fun hanging out with Donald Duck and Goofy, you know, it's fun. It's, it's like, well, I think you're going to, I think it's got a, a much better and more in depth story. And granted, I haven't played all <laughs> there's only two games in the series, but yet there are also 20. Um, <laughs> if that makes any sense where things kind of have tweaked and evolved with some of the stuff, but uh, yeah. it has a, a better story than it has any right or need to. It could literally just be our Disney's invaded. Ah, save it. And <laughs> they, they take it sometimes some dark places, especially where it's like, Hey, you loved us when you were five, by the way, this character sucks now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, some stuff we'll just kind of skip over. There is so much to talk about. We could we could spend four hours on this. Uh, see if Thieves DLC is coming. Looks like some cool stuff for fans of that that game. Uh, more Battlefield Five was shown. Um, a, you know, a, a story trailer from the single player content, and then we got to Forza Horizon Four with <sighs> Seasons. They dropped leaves on me in the auditorium, um, <laughs> and Seasons are coming. To Forza Horizon 4, it's a big open world where every other driver, I guess drivatars aren't a thing anymore. We don't need drivatars because we have actual humans. Um, so you have a big open world where everyone is a real person that you encounter and you can all be, you're all in the same persistent world driving even across wild distances on the map. Uh, and the, the seasons change the, the map in big drastic ways that impact how you drive. There was a friggin' hover shown at a certain yeah. point and nobody mentioned the fact that a hovercraft was in the trailer christian i know you are a huge forza horizon fan what did you think of this one you mean by microsoft internal studios playground games um yeah well you're skipping ahead but yes <laughs> <laughs> this i thought it looked really great i thought the presentation was great i think the way they mentioned 60 frames per second is a big win for the horizon series that has always dabbled in 30 i think it's only for the x or pc you get that um, 60 frame boost. Um, and I think what they're doing in terms of, of the seasons approach is, is really cool where, you know, before they had the winter mountain expansion and then hot wheels for Forza horizon three. And I think both of those are great expansions, but to have this map that is the same, but yet very different depending on the season in which you play it adds for really cool moments and gets people checking into the game throughout the course of the year. Right. That's kind of an incentive. I wonder if you can, you know, fake out your clock. Uh, well, is that how it works? I mean, I didn't get a, I didn't get a sense that it's based on the actual season that you're living through. I felt like it was like, it's, you know, winter. And then in five minutes from now, it'll be spring. I don't, I haven't looked things up, but I don't think it's that quick. I think it might not be like actual real seasons, but it's like, I, my, my understanding was it's to get you tuned into the game, you know, from time to yeah. time. It's like it's winter right now. Come play the winter hmm. tracks. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's what I thought it was too. I thought it was seasons, like how you know a game like Overwatch has seasons, ah. except they're going to vary them by weather. That that was that was my impression. 
Well, we'll have to find out. I'll be talking to those guys tomorrow, so maybe I'll ask that question. But uh, it it does look pretty – I mean, it looks gorgeous for sure. It's amazing. And motorcycles and what are the weird – there's some weird vehicles in there, no, that aren't usually in a Forza game. Am I wrong, Christian? Uh, They've got – They've had some fun. I mean, Horizon's always been the fun series. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's the best racer of of this generation has been the Horizon series, and this one looks like to evolve it well. So, um, yeah. And then you kind of teased this a little bit, but the next thing was the discussion of the fact that Microsoft is getting serious about expanding its third party. Excuse me, its first party, uh, its first party library stable of developers. They are doubling their number of first-party studios. They've acquired a number of them, including the developer for Forza Horizon uh, and some other notable developers, uh, developer of State of Decay, uh, the developer of um, We Happy Few, the developer uh, of Ninja Theory, the developer of the recent... huge. Yeah, Ninja Theory for me is the standout one. Um, I think Imagine... Can I speculate for a moment? Sure. So you have Playground and Ninja Theory, and now you have Fable, and those are the two studios working on it. Come, come on! So like combat from Ninja Theory, open world environment, and traversal stuff from Playground. I don't know if they're. I don't. I have no inside information as to this, other than that Phil basically said that Playground is working on Fable. Um, Yeah. But those are studios that you have first party studios and they're able to share resources and stuff. And Ninja Theory did combat for Disney Infinity back in the day and they were one of the studios brought in and I think yeah. vastly improved that game yeah, um, right. from one iteration to the next. And yeah, th- I'm very, very excited with what uh, Ninja Theory could be doing for Xbox. It is interesting that several of the developers feel like they were already sort of ostensible first party developers anyway. A lot of them were making, I mean, State of Decay was an Xbox exclusive, right? It, it Some of these, I this announcement was a little dulled in the sense of like, well, they're not getting anybody that wasn't already in their, in their stable. But as you said, these are official first parties now. They can share resources. They can share tech. You know, they, they really yeah. are working for Microsoft in a, in a real way. For me, Ninja Theory is the big one. Ninja Theory is, is a very exciting developer. What they were able to do uh, with um, uh, what's the name of the game? They just Soul Sacrifice, Susana, yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah, uh, what they, they were able to do with such a small budget on that game is really quite something. And uh, having maybe the resources of Microsoft behind them, they'll be able to even do bigger and better. So I, I'm excited for that. My takeaway from this announcement moment is Microsoft understands that Sony is kicking their butt in first party exclusives, and they are trying to rectify that, but this is just starting. They just acquired these these places and they're not going to have anything for several years. So this is the announcement in lieu of actual first party exclusives. Yes. Yeah. 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 This is almost like an announcement for the next generation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Senua's Sacrifice is the name of that game I, that I couldn't think of. Yeah. Hellblade, I think. Yeah. Uh, Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, uh, which is a phenomenal game. Gorgeous and high quality. And I think giving them the the resources of a Microsoft first party is going to be just very positive for that. Also DMC, I'll stand by it. I don't care what they later say that that, now we're getting a true sequel to devil may cry Four. uh, DMC was a great game. Yeah. That's also Ninja theory. They, they are wizards at combat. 
So yeah, I mean, I think a bright future for Microsoft, but nothing really in the present. Uh, but uh, at least they have identified the issue, <laughs> and they seem to be uh, actively pursuing it. Um, then we got we got PUBG, we got Tales of Vesperia Remaster, and then we got to what is making a real play for me for a game I'm most excited about in this E3, and that is The Division 2. I was such a huge fan of The Division. I was worried that The Division 2 was going to look very similar. It was going to feel more like a, an expansion pass. That is No not- need to be worried. I'm going to go talk to this guy, see what he's worried. Hold on, Sharif, <laughs> will you cover the round back? <laughs> sure, sure. Just Just hold on for a sec. Yeah, I got your six. Copy that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this was clearly a trailer that uh, Ubisoft was like, we gotta, we got to do it our way, Microsoft. We're doing it our way. Uh, but, man, that game looks – like I said, I was worried it was just going to feel like another city. Uh, it's going to look and feel like another urban moment. But it, they, it, this is another city. It is Washington, D.C. But there was like jungle look and – uh, it, it felt so much more organic and interesting. Not a lot of info on specific kinds of uh, new weapons or powers or anything like that or, or new progression system. But I am so excited for The Division 2. I expect we'll hear much more about it tomorrow in Ubisoft's press conference. And hopefully, oh, we'll, get hope some, so. hopefully we'll get some details about how Endgame will work and stuff like that. But yeah, I was really blown away by, by this trailer. And characters, like character customization, like that's, yeah, it's key. It I, needs to happen. I want more than North Face, uh, right? Yeah. I'm greedy. I, <laughs> yeah, nice it to needs to. Things. It needs to. It needs to happen. Uh, they showed the gun weapon or um, loadout. I'm gonna change my loadout real quick, and that was impressive. Like yeah. it was like what yeah. a, a nine by nine or a three by three, like a nine row grid. Um, but I thought that was impressive. Three, were you a Division One fan? I know, I know, it's, Jeff loved it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was a big fan of it. Um. You know, and, uh, you know, it's like one of my most played Steam games, actually, when I was looking for Dang. Steam library. Yeah, yeah. I put in some heavy division hours. Um, and I, you know, the, the thing that really um, stood out to me in the trailer was not only the jungle stuff, but the fact that there was sunlight and water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which are two things that are, you know, completely absent from the division, not for a bad reason, just because, you know, it's in the middle of Manhattan. Yeah. Um, and, and like that to me, I feel like really lets that engine shine. I'm assuming that it's a new engine. I don't think they're just, well, I think it's that up. snowdrop engine that they've been working on, but yeah, it's, um, it certainly looked real pretty. And there's that cool sequence with the, the husk of the airplane and it just, yeah. that game looks awesome. I'm so yeah, ready for it. Yeah. And you know, my hope as you know, um, you know, and I know a lot of people have been like, saying this as well is that they take all those positive changes they made especially up to that 1.8 patch and they put that stuff in division two yeah please don't have a destiny 2 situation where people are asking for things that were already in the first one in terms of like private matches and that kind of stuff so yeah yeah uh, really hoping that they can nail that down and I'm hoping it was a little wink to problems with the first game too, where they, in that plane encounter, there was an enemy and, you know, in their expert team play, like I got his armor off and like you saw armor falling off this yeah. big brute. Whereas like the first game, it was like, um, I shot the guy in a hoodie 400 times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's still standing. Right. Um, 
if they can justify some of those bigger, harder enemies and like, oh no, this guy has a baseball hat on. He's a level 40. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, and then we got, uh, this information about fast start, which basically means games start faster when you download them. Cool. I'm not gonna, not gonna argue with you. If it works, it's great. It gets us closer to that. You don't realize you're downloading a game. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, we got some game pass discussion. Uh, we did not get your prediction, no. Christian, which was that gold would go away in favor of game pass. But certainly no. there was a lot of emphasis on Game Pass as far as a, a, a service that Microsoft uh, exclusive games are really relying on. Um, some interesting games being added to Game Pass, which is pretty cool. Fallout 4. Fallout 4. And uh, and I think and even more division. than... What's that? And the, the Division, the first one. Yeah, the first Division. Even more than those games, I was impressed that uh, Elder Scrolls Online is being added to it because uh, I feel like that is a game that's ongoing and very successful and um, it doesn't feel like an older game. It feels like you know it's a, co- a current game, so that's cool. Um, I'm curious, as like a PC gamer, I, I kind of want to do it at, for the think piece, <laughs> as lame as that sounds, but it's like I'm only going to play EA Origin Premiere, whatever their one is called, and uh, Game Pass games for like 20 bucks a month or whatever, you know, whatever it is. This, you get this huge library of PC games that is super compelling. I know if you guys have a an awesome gaming PC, you might want to spend more money on some games that maybe push your hardware graphically a little harder than what you're going to get from those two things. But man, it's really compelling between those two services for, you know, I think it's 20 bucks a month and maybe less if you buy EA for a full year. Um, I'm tempted. I'm, I think if I didn't do this show or need to play other stuff, I think you get a lot of gaming hours out of those two services now. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned that uh, EA brought this up, Microsoft brought this up, this emphasis on streaming technology where you can stream to any device and play anything anywhere all the time. Something you've been talking about a long time, Christian, about wanting that as as the future of gaming. Both of these companies, when they brought it up, said, well, we don't really have it working yet. <laughs> to indicate <laughs> that it was like, it's not ready for prime time, but they're working on it and it's only a matter of time before that seems like a really viable way to play games anywhere you want. Yeah. It's like Netflix had to get you first sending a disc to your house. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, and then they got you the next step where you can just tap your phone and, and, and watch it and play it. And I, I do think that this games, not games as service as currently describing a game like destiny or something like that, but the service of providing games is it, someone's going to figure that out and they're going to do it right. And I think EA's uh, acquisition of, I think it was Gamefly's digital service or streaming service is their, you know, big investment in that. I think it's going to shape, you know, the next generation or next frontier of gaming for sure. There's so much to get to here, guys. It just was this wild pace of just announcement after announcement after announcement. At one point, we even heard that the next generation of Xbox hardware is being worked on. It's like, what? <laughs> Don't, it's just throwing everything at us at once. Uh, the Tomb Raider trailer came now. Oh, we got a big ID at Xbox montage, which is like bewildering. Too many games to even keep track of. Uh, and then this Tomb Raider trailer, I think was an excellent trailer. I was really impressed with just how that trailer was put together. That game looks awesome. I'm so ready for that game. Is she a bad guy, Sharif? Is that what they were saying? Like she can change time? <laughs> what was this Two Face stuff? Uh, you, you know, I was. I thought it was a good trailer, but at the same time, and this is coming from somebody that absolutely loved Tomb Raider and Rise of the Tomb Raider, 
I just want to know either how you're going to do what those games did better or if you're going to do something different. I kind of didn't get that sense from the trailer. Um, so I'm kind of, um, I don't know, third games are always dicey to me, especially when the first two are really good. Yeah. You know? Um, so while I want to go in, you know, super, super excited about it, I'm excited, but at the same time, I'm almost preparing myself to be let down only not let down because the game is bad let down because the first two games set such a high bar hmm. um, that I'm like, how much more can they go unless they, you know, really try something like I thought rise of Tomb Raider is a, is a masterpiece. Yeah, it was phenomenal. It was our game of the year that year on the show. Um, yeah. And I expect yeah. to love this one too. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for it. Yep. Um, and then they showed a skating game session. Oh, skate four. No, not nope. Skate 4. No, no, not Skate, no, not skate 4. Session, not skate 4, right? It looked a lot like Skate 4. I mean, it looked like, like a lot like Skate. So, I guess that's good. You're the skating guy, Christian. What do you think? I thought it looked great. I, I mean, I, it comes down to how it controls. What is it? It looks, it, it was definitely there to evoke Skate 4, right? And if it, if it does that, I don't care what name they put on it. It, I thought it looked really cool. I'm, at first I was, <laughs> I was like, Oh dang! Did somebody make a skate video game where like, you don't actually skate? You just control the guy on the skateboard with the camera filming his buddy skate. <laughs> wow! Which I think is funny. would be a compelling indie game where it's like you're the you know you're a support guy. You, you can't do the kickflip, but you can. You got the fisheye lens, and you can film your friend doing the kickflip. Um, but it's I, the, the skate po- it's game. It's the Pokemon Snap of skating games. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then you yell out cop. Um, you need to, but I think it looks great. I hope it, I hope it controls well. Cause that's how that game will live or die. Yeah. Sharif devil may cry five. <clears throat> what do you make of that? So I tweeted out devil may why. <laughs> no. Which is terrible, but I just, no. like, yeah, yeah. I know that, uh, Christian, I know that before you were really hyping it up. Uh, Part five, right? You said that you liked the uh, DMC, you know, the, uh, the kind of reboot of it. Um, I really didn't as much. I, I liked the first four. Um, I didn't like the uh, reboot as much. So um, I just don't see a reason to go back to Devil May Cry at this point. Um I think a lot of that is because I've kind of gotten my Devil May Cry esque fix with the recent like Bayonetta games. Sure. Um, and you know, I mean, I it's just not. I don't want to say it's not for me, but I think just personally, I'm I I I think I need a little more time away from it. Um, hmm. but, but I think that it definitely has its um, audience. But like me personally, I'm 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 not excited for it. Christian, you're into it. I mean. <sighs> I'm going to butcher his name, but you have a series creator coming back to the series after years off. And after, I think as Sharif accurately points out, the action combat genre has evolved in a big way. I'm curious to see what his take on that will be. And if he's learned things from Bayonetta and even Nier and some of these other games that have come out that have definitely taken things that they learned from early Devil May Cry's and, and added to and I think that the trailer had a lot of style to it. I think the girl um, was a little too. She reminded me of some of my companions in Far Cry Five. Like I was like, <laughs> oh, I hope she's not <laughs> next to me cursing up a storm the whole time. Yeah. But uh, 
I thought the trailer had a style to it that was really cool. And I, and I like that third person action genre. So, you know, I'd be okay. I loved current God of War. I loved it. It's up there with maybe my favorite game this year and up, you know, whatever my top 25 of all time, but I'd also be okay with another God of War, like the old style. So I'm totally okay with a, with an old style, uh, devil may cry as well. Then we got uh, Cuphead DLC, a really interesting looking game called Tunic. It looks sort of like a isometric Zelda. Yeah. Uh, we got. I'm curious with about fox. what's that? Zelda with the fox. Yeah, <laughs> Zelda with the fox. Yeah. Tunic was previewed, I think, last year too. It looks phenomenal. If I remember correctly, there's no language in it. It's all just like that made up language, and everything it's, you uh, know what to do is how. So you're, so you're saying that we never find out what the fox say? <laughs> I get you. I got you, Dad. Um, I think it looks great. I think it looks great. Fire tonight. <laughs> it's been a long day. Um, what do you think, Sharif, of Jump Force? <laughs> Best game title ever, or worst game title ever? <laughs> well, you know, as far as just the title, um, I like the title just because it's like anime. Yeah, like it's, it's an super anime, anime kind of title. <laughs> yeah, like, like, like I feel like if it was anything else, I would be like, "That's a terrible title." Uh, <laughs> Jump or Force, it's like some weird like Nintendo game or like something. We got um, all of the different anime franchises together in one fighting game. What should we call it? Jump Force. <laughs> but like, none of them are known for their jumping. <laughs> but there's got to be some reason for. I don't know. I, I'm maybe it's like I'm, a deep I'm cut reference. To give I don't them know. The benefit of the doubt on this. Yeah. Are you into it? Are you, do you like all these anime franchises? I like, I was, I was sitting next to Anthony Tarmino and I turned to him and, and they were like a, a new game from Bandai Namco. And I was like, Oh, is this going to be Naruto or uh, Dragon Ball Z? And then it was like, it's both. It's yeah. both. It's uh, everything. It's uh, everything. so chat coming through QWERTY man saying jump is the name of the big magna compilation book in Japan. And it's a reference from Shonen Jump. The Magna publisher for all the franchises. Uh, well, I, I had no doubt there was some deep cut I reference I was missing. Well, that was so. called Our Ignorance to the Genre. Yeah. Still, still, weird title. Anyway, um, so Sharif, are you into this? Is it cool? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I mean it's anime is custom made for these kind of games. Like supposedly it's going to be like a three on three tag team fight, so like kind of like a Marvel Capcom ish kind of game. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's great. I think, um, yeah, it's like the characters are there if they do it right. And like Ben, Ben, ben Namco has shown that they can do some like good fighting games. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm about it. Cool. Yeah. Jump force. That happened. Um, <laughs> then dying light Two. I don't think anybody had predicted this one or maybe we knew it was happening. I didn't know it was happening. Um, I didn't see it coming. Let me check Walmart Canada real quick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I wanted to love Dying Light. I know a lot of people do love Dying Light. I did not love Dying Light. Uh, oh. Dying Light 2 uh, looks cool. I, they showed some really interesting systems with regard to wild choices that, that affect your environment in really stark ways. And I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, Except they both seem like bad outcomes. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not called, uh, you know, happy go lucky light. It's called yeah, dying it's light. It's not called Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not called, hey, the dawning of new light. It's great. 
Um, <laughs> did you like Dying Light, Sharif? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I thought it was okay. You know, yeah. um, I, I was definitely full of zombie, zombie fatigue when it came out. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't, so I was pleasantly surprised when I got got into it because I was expecting just kind of just just not to enjoy it. Um, and, you know, it was, I thought it was a okay game. Um, and I, but I was really excited to see this like sequel because just like you, I was not expecting to see it at at, at all. Um, I always loved like the sort of like a parkour mix with the zombie stuff, and I feel like that can only be like elevated in like a sequel. Um, and, and, you know, I love like uh, decision based games where like you kind of have to choose right. Or hopefully they have some, some like really good, like risk versus reward kind of situations, you know? Yeah. It looked like um, they, they weren't, it wasn't so clearly like you're either picking the good thing or the bad that you're either a nice person or a not nice person. It, it really felt like there's pluses and minuses on both of these situations. You know, you're not, you're not, getting a great benefit or making it harder for yourself. You're literally making some things harder and some things better either way. So I, th- I think that's a kind of a neat push and pull. It's not like there's a clear cut Paragon uh, renegade kind of right. situation, uh, which is, which I always prefer. It, it, it feels like a much more interesting way to go shades of gray either way. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I just can't bring myself to be excited about this. I have a, me- a meeting to see it this week, so maybe I'll play it and be more wowed, but the first game I just found to be stifling in a weird way. I, I don't like games where it's like, you better hurry up because night is falling and when night falls, everything gets bad. And it's like, oh, I don't like that pressure. But, um, not a Minecraft fan, huh? <laughs> well, my, yeah, I guess not. I, my, Minecraft is like that. You're right. Uh, and then we got a logo for Battletoads. <laughs> so Battletoads logo, everybody. Um, I think it's a better logo than Metroid Prime 4. So I want to, you know, if we're just judging logos, yeah. it was a real good logo. Not as good a logo as Elder Scrolls 6, but, you know, still good. Logo. What, you mean font? Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> At least Starfield had a logo. Elder Scrolls 6 was like, uh, quick, tell them to type this live type because Todd's about to say And it. the funniest thing is it won't even be called Elder Scrolls 6. It'll, like, no. have its own other title. And yeah, it'll, it'll have a name. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we're we're jumping ahead, fellas. Okay. Uh, so Battletoads had a weird, we knew Battletoads was happening for a while because there's been, but it's like weird to even show the logo with nothing else. Weird. Just Cause 4 coming out this year looked like a Just Cause game. Looked a lot like yep. a Just Cause game. Uh, I really didn't see anything in it that made me think that it couldn't have been footage from Just Cause 3, but a stable <laughs> frame rate. It's like if you had just literally repurposed Just Cause 3 footage, I would not have known. But, you know, people love that franchise, too. I've never been a huge fan. Uh, if, it, if it has a stable frame rate and is really playable on this generation of consoles, and I think they look to show a little bit more personality um, with, like, the interplay between the characters and the joking and stuff like that, where sometimes Just Cause took itself a little seriously as you were, like, jetpacking or, you know, parachuting, whipping onto a, a jet, smashing a jet down, and then it's like... Yeah, we did it. It's like mm, you just threw a 747 into a truck. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little more recognition of what just happened. Um, yeah, those games could be great. Uh, I think, I think if it can nail the tone and again, nail the, nail the frame rate, um, it's kind of like a, it has the potential to be a ghost recon wildlands to the 11 kind of thing. And I like that kind of game a lot. Yeah. I mean, it, yes, a lot of people love them. 
I've just never yeah, played. Yeah, it's a really fun sandbox, I think. Yeah. You just kind of just mess around with the grappling hook and just go crazy. And, uh, you know, I, I think another one of those, fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then we got the Gears of War logo, and everybody started going crazy. And then a Funko Pop face popped out of it. And people were like, what? And then we got uh, somebody come on stage to talk about Gears of War Funko Pop version. And then they were like, also, there's going to be a Gears Tactics game, which I guess is XCOM with Gears, which is cool. I like XCOM games, but that's not the Gears of War we all wanted. And it just felt this weird letdown of the Gears logo <laughs> and then the Funko Pop thing coming out. It just seemed like, what is this? What even is that game? What's so bizarre? What's going on? And then like, oh yeah, but also Gears 5 is coming. Uh, it's Gears 5 and here's a trailer for it. It's like the most weirdly anticlimactic reveal for a very anticipated game I've seen in a while because they built up this anticipation. They burst the bubble and then they were like, no, but the bubble's still here, everybody. There's this other, the bubble was always here the whole time. Oh, Jeff, I forgot to tell you. Um, I owe you some money. I, it's a penny. You left a penny. Um, uh, oh, also, though, also, um, in your car, there was a dollar bill tucked in the back seat. Oh, well, that's better. Than, it's still back there. That's great. Um, I think that's kind of... You won the lottery! Also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Exciting turn of fortune. <laughs> that's so, what we're going for. So what do you think <laughs> of all this? Roller coaster. Yeah, it, it was a bit of an emotional roller coaster. It was like a Gears of roller coaster. Um, what did you think of the Gears 5 trailer? What did you think of all this Gears news? Um, I mean, I, I mean, like, I liked Gears 4. Yeah. Um, I knew Gears was uh, coming. I actually liked the trailer. I liked how they set up it story wise. Um, definitely seemed to be a little more serious, um, which I thought was, uh, was, uh, cool. Um, because I kind of like gears the most. I feel like when there's like a lot, a lot of heavy stakes. Um, and you know, um, I, obviously it's going to look great. It's going to sound great. I have no doubts about that. And I think gears is one of those things where I know a lot of people say that Microsoft kind of depends on it too much, but I think they kind of need that to be one of their, you know, pillar franchises. And I'm glad that they are continuing to, to, you know, put um, resources into it, you know? And, and, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah. It looks really good. And I'm impressed. You know, they clearly seem to be setting up Marcus Phoenix's son as the heir apparent to the franchise and then to zig instead of zagging uh, and, and go with this female protagonist. I, which seems to right. be the case. I applaud. I'm happy that they're doing that. It seems like a really smart, interesting move uh, rather than just going with the obvious. So I'm, I'm into it. I'm, I'm ready to play another gears game. Looks cool. Yeah. It looks like they found more story. And I think Kate is a really interesting, you know, I think they, they feel, feels like they kind of pulled it out of um, under her armor <laughs> instead of out of left field. Like this is my grandma's and you're like, Oh, okay. I wish we knew that. I don't know. 20 hours ago after we've been in this conflict together. Yeah. Um, but you know, you got to find new story places and I think it's an interesting one. They've certainly hinted at this, um, not even hinted, talked about the prolonged shared world of locusts and human in the past. And if they are able to expand on that in fun ways, I think that's really cool. I thought it was interesting too. Like they painted JD as, as kind of a jerk. And I think he was kind of a jerk in four. If he was a little flippant, but then Marcus was there and I was like, 
that was such a big moment that hit him in four for such a long part of that game and the yeah. marketing leading up to that game. And it was like, he's here. And then this one, it was just like a quick pan. And it was like, and he's here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's here. And but you're not going to play as him. Yeah. Probably. JD's still the boss and you're not going to, and then it's Kate. So I thought that was a little weird in terms of handling their, you know, flagship character for the first three games. And then there's that other moment later in the trailer where this huge monster comes out and has these awesome, like Billy club baseball bat things. And it's, and the spikes come out and you're like, Oh, what an epic fight. And then it just cuts to her you running it. around yeah. using it. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, I guess you beat him. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh, I know where that, how that fight goes. Yeah. yeah. That's funny, but it was beautiful. And I, I agree with Sharif. It's like, this is a, a showstopper for the console oftentimes. And also I think a testament to the coalition getting, you know, they got a excellent remaster of gears one out gears right. four, um, was really well made, if not original in the way that some people wanted it to be. And now Gears 5 coming along nicely in a time span in which a lot of other games, AAA games and franchises have seen one or zero releases. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, that seemed like it was going to be the it, it for the, for the press conference. And, uh, I was, like I said, I was sitting next to Anthony and he turned to me. He's like, Oh man. No cyberpunk. I was like, oh no. He's like, ha ha. It's only going to be a slideshow. There's not really going to show gameplay. And then the interruption, the old MS DOS prompt CD, right. which I thought was cool. Change directory. Change yeah. directory. And then what's the password is red. So CD red, the project file that they had to find CD project red, all of that. So clever. So cool. I'm like bouncing up and down in my seat. And then they show the trailer for Cyberpunk and E3 just came crumbling down around me. <laughs> I could not believe it looks so badass. The my only, my only gripe is that it really seemed whatever, however many years ago when they first showed the Cyberpunk teaser thing that it seemed that we were going to get a, a female protagonist, which I was kind of expecting and to see a male protagonist. I was a little bit disappointed in, to be honest, but. Oh, the world looks so cool and interesting. I I mean, this game, this game, I'm such a fan of CD Projekt Red. I'm such a fan of how they make their games and how they're committed to their games and their ethic and 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 ethos company-wide. And the Witcher games, I love. I just can't imagine this game not being a completely awesome experience. And the the universe just looks so different and cool and bizarre what did you think sharif oh i was blown away yeah and i i i that that is how you end the conference like i was i was like wow you know um and yeah i mean i like i said i have full faith in cd project red um and i think that they kind of showed the goods i mean like they it was just a teaser obviously but you know they they, they left me wanting more a lot yeah. more. And, and, and I think that's exactly how, what, what, what it was designed. Questions that came to my mind. Is it a shooter? I mean, how does the combat work? Uh, so many, so many things, the details of which I think we're going to get. I have a big hour long meeting with CD project red this week. So I'm sure we will see more of the game in, in action, but it certainly looks so pretty. So gorgeous. I mean, the car shots and, uh, the the big open environment shots. Christian, are you coming around to maybe this being game of show? What do you think? Uh, is it is it playable? Um, that's, we'll that's find the out. Big question. We will find yeah. out. Yeah, 
but it was a heck of a trailer. I think in terms of, like you said, the CD and project in red was really cool and all the stuff that showed up in those flat and those flashes that of course the internet's going to dissect every little thing. Uh, they gave away codes to the complete edition of Witcher three. They had this whole long, like letter to fans that was pieced together from it. Like so the game's going to come out when it's ready. DRM free, uh, microtransactions in a single player, get the F out, like all so this good. stuff that is just like, uh, what a fun way to include that stuff in a press conference style atmosphere where it's not someone out on stage saying no loot boxes, yeah, no yeah. premium. It was hidden and there, of course. Embraces that hacker ethic and that hacker theme. It's right. so rad. Yeah, of course, of course we're going to find all that stuff. Um, and the idea that like, when is the game going to come out? Not till it's ready, which is like, yay, but like, uh, yeah, <laughs> oh. when's it ready? Yeah. It's like, find your, whatever you're into the most, whatever it is, like, uh, a beautiful person walking by scantily clad, a beautiful ice cream sundae, whatever you think, whatever it is, a car just freshly waxed, uh, iron suit, whatever it is. Imagine that just being like, and this can be yours. And you're like, yeah. And they're like, not now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, and, and second year in a row that Microsoft has closed the conference with a really impactful, amazing debut of a really cool game, new IP type of game that isn't theirs. It's a third party game that's going to be available on lots of other platforms. Uh, that's an interesting, I mean, they get the rub by being that, having that be their mic drop moment. Last year it was Anthem, this year Cyberpunk, but kind of weird that they're relying on a game that you can play on your PlayStation and on your PC, no doubt. I don't know. What I do mean, you guys think? They have some kind of exclusivity deal, some kind of deal. They might. They might. They might not. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if CD Projekt Red is the kind of folks that would do that. I, they have their own, you know, they got GOG. I'm sure it's going to come out on PC day and date with, with whatever else. It could be, but I think it's more like Microsoft. Microsoft's message seemed to be, we have tons of stuff for you to play. Not a lot of it is exclusive. I mean, they showed some exclusive stuff, but it, I don't think it compares to Sony's exclusives. They certainly, it certainly felt like they gave people who already own Xboxes a lot of reason to be excited that they own their Xboxes. But I'm not so sure they convinced anybody that they had to have an Xbox if they didn't already have a console. You know what I mean? Or if they already yeah. had a console is what I mean to say. Yeah, I think it's kind of late in the game for that. That's so. true too. That's true. I mean they, they basically lift service the fact that they're working on the next one. So hard to convince people to jump into this generation. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, we're working on the next one. But so is Sony. I don't know if they'll say it on their press conference that they have also publicly sure. said they're working on their next one. And I think – and I don't know how you do it in a flashy presentation like this, but I think why I would tell a friend to buy an Xbox over a PlayStation, it always comes down to look at the exclusives. Are there any that you feel like are must-plays? Then it's price. And then the other – the the thing that I think if – depending on how those things break, it's Game Pass. And the fact yeah. that you can – Get an Xbox and Game Pass for ten bucks a month, and I think Amazon has it on sale right now for less than that. Um, at, right now, I say as we're recording this, that could, could, could have changed already. Um, and then you get State of Decay, Sea of Thieves, regardless of what I think of those games, two very big games in terms of playability. 
um, Fallout 4 now, The Division, as you get excited for The Division 2. Forza uh, Horizon 4 will be available on it. Gears yeah. of War 5 will be available on it when that comes out. I mean, yeah, that's, that's so you're t- For like right now, whatever it is for an S, 250, 199, 230, you can get that console. And then for $10 a month, which is how much I think it is to have an, a cellular plan on your Apple Watch Series 3, right? Like yeah. less than Netflix. You have all these games to play. It's really compelling. It's just not super sexy because those Microsoft exclusives, the new ones, the Halo and the Gears, we don't know much about yet. Um, and the, the existing games, it's hard to be like, oh, I can go play The Division right now at a press conference when they're showing The Division 2. But yeah, for right. someone that doesn't have a console yet, I think it's pretty compelling. Well, let's move on to Bethesda and uh, their press conference every year is always interesting because we didn't really know much about it other than Rage 2 and Fallout 76. Now, Rage 2 started off the conference uh, alongside Andrew WK for some reason. Um, <laughs> they showed more of that him. game. Do you? He's I mean, fine. party tip. He's the best. He's the best. He did a full out song, man. He did. He did not care. That check cleared, and he gave. He did not phone <laughs> it in. No, he didn't phone it in. Played um, his heart out. His whole band did too. Yeah, it was fun. It was real fun. Um, the Rage Two stuff they showed. I, I think that game is going to be a blast to play. I really do. It, it gives me uh, Bullet Storm vibes. It's like Bullet Storm meets. Um, uh, uh, what am I thinking of? Uh, <laughs> I am so tired right now, guys. I can barely even put a <laughs> sentence together. Uh, but it, you know, it gives me bullet storm vibes of just how wacky and creative the kills are. It seems like it, it's a, it's a sandbox for killing rather than particularly a challenge. It's more like do it with yeah. panache and, and fun rather than, uh, you know, try to survive like a doom or something. Um, so I think that's really cool. Oh, yeah, no, it's it's like a mix between um, Bulletstorm and, and Mad Max. You know, it's that Mad Max game that I enjoyed so much from Avalanche uh, a few years ago. I don't know. I think that game is going to be really fun to play. I, I, I think it's it's going to be a, a shallow experience perhaps, but a really fun, just frivolous, wacky, exciting game to play. Yeah, I, I think, it, you know, there's a lot of questions about it still, but it looked great. Uh, they showed variety in the environment, just in those kind of snippets where it was kind of jump cutting through areas where, you know, there's different takes, different parts of the barren wasteland and it has color. It's not all yeah. just uh, brown dust blowing the way Mad Max, the, the avalanche developed Mad Max open world game was. And the upgrading and customization uh, looks cool. And they showed the different types of, you know, two at least two enemy factions that you'll be going up against that hopefully will play play differently and i think they did a good job explaining how or why it might feel so differently than the first rage where it's a a significant time jump right like you were born and grew up in this you were a kid when this exists like all of this world existed when you were born and now you're an adult um times passed and here we go let's go play yeah you into it sharif yeah um i wish i showed a little more of the driving um just because that was such a big part of the first rage yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that I didn't like a lot about the first rage was I didn't think the driving it never felt that at well, it's not that it didn't feel that great. It didn't feel as, as good as the not driving portions. Right. So it was a little unbalanced to me. Um, but one thing that I'm hoping that race two also does is, 
Um, similar to the Metro series that I talked about earlier, like Rage 1 really pushed um, the fidelity of uh, graphics a lot. Um, when when that, that game came out, especially like the PC version, like you really needed like a powerful rig to like really run it well. Yeah. It was um, a brand new engine at the time. Yeah, that brand new yeah. Id tech engine. Yeah. yeah. And like a race shoot, it looked great. It it didn't blow me away the the way it looked, but the gameplay looked super fun. Yeah. Um so I'm really curious as to if like the final version is gonna go again for that like super like fidelity stuff. Um or like, you know, or or like if it if if it won't. But I like the attitude of it. It was like def, definitely zany and fun. Um didn't seem like it was taking itself too uh, seriously and you know. I like games that are like that every once in a while. Yeah, me too. Um, it, it seemed like a very distinct new approach from Bethesda this year. Usually they are very focused on games that you're going to play in the next year. Uh, they have a very kind of sort of small list of games and they're going to show them to you, but they're not going to talk about anything too far out. And they seem to have made a very big decision to change that tact. We saw... Doom, a new Doom game, Doom Eternal, which just got a teaser trailer, no actual gameplay. The devs came out and said, we're working on it. It's going to be cool. We're going to tell you more about it at QuakeCon. Uh, so not tons of information, but I know we were all big fans of the Doom reboot. Felt like a new Doom was coming. I think it's a real smart decision for them not to have shown any Doom stuff because it feels like it steps on Rage 2 a little bit because they're both high octane, quick paced, kinetic shooters, um, you know, with demons and mutants and stuff. It felt, it feels in the same wheelhouse. And I think it was smarter than to let rage Two have that spotlight, but um, I'm sure we're all excited for a new doom game to find out more about oh, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, then we got uh quick champions. I don't even know what to say about quick champions. Sharif, it's, it's, it's basically quake 30. It's like yes. an early access version of Quake. It's 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 like kind of like that. I, I don't know if you ever played that Unreal tournament that Epic has on. Yeah, uh, I have. Like yeah, alter. it's it's like sort of like that. It's like you know, it's like an alpha version, like a felt like a fan made kind of like constantly updated version of the game. I mean, it's it's fun. I mean, I played around with it a bit. Yeah, um, but I, I do there's like an audience fact, for it. I I do like the fact that they're like basically giving a free week to everybody to like, yeah. try it out. I think that well, and then I think it's free forever. Didn't they say that too? If you played in this free week, you get to keep playing it for free. Yeah. 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 And then a, a real Mac daddy is saying, Jeff, it is, you are tired and you're also leading this ship. So thank you for doing that and having a list, but I think doom eternal. What did I doom say? Eternal. What did I call it? Not infinite. <laughs> infinite eternal. Yeah. I, I apologize. <laughs> doom eternal. I have it written down right in front of me and I can't even read. I am Sunshine of fading. the spotless mind, my friend. Yeah. Um, Prey, new modes for Prey surprised me. Uh, that they're still supporting that game and very robustly. I thought that was pretty darn cool. Uh, although, VR. Yeah, VR yes. for Prey and Wolfenstein. Oh, man. That's awesome. I mean, but it's, so, so the Prey stuff was some of my favorite parts of this conference. Yeah. I totally wasn't expecting it. I was expecting something about Prey 2 maybe, but I was not expecting like DLC like today and then I wasn't expecting like this prop hunt mode you yeah. know that they're basically putting in it and then putting that in VR I was like I want to try that oh so, me yeah. too 
So I'm totally going to reinstall Prey and I'm going to check out this uh, DLC. Absolutely. Yeah, really cool that they're supporting VR, continue to support VR. Uh, I love the fact that Bethesda's committed to VR. Sounds amazing. Um, I, you know, it emphasizes the parts of Prey that I found to be less than fun, the, the very action-y parts. I found the exploration and the sort of more methodical parts to be much more what I liked about the game. But either way, I think it's cool they're supporting the game and continuing to uh, be committed to that franchise, it sounds like. I, I feel like Bethesda really is sticks with their franchises. You know, I think that's shown yes. with, with rage and with prey they, they, they support them. I think that's cool. Um, more evidence to that is uh, a new Wolfenstein, which I don't think anybody saw coming. And this sounds really, really cool. It's focused on, uh, BJ Blaskowitz's daughters, twin daughters. It's set in the eighties. I tweeted at the time that I, th- I thought, uh, you know, who, who would have ever predicted that the Wolfenstein series would be like the most progressive series in gaming? I know, right? It's yeah. so bizarre and, 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 but very, very cool. And I love that we have these, these twin girls as protagonists. I'm excited for this. It looks good. Yep. Yeah. And co-op, uh, being in the game. And I feel like the only thing it's like narratively, I'm like, Oh man, poor Blaskowitches. They never win. Like literally, yeah. uh, you know, I won't spoil the game because it's not out on Switch yet. But all the things you do in that game, and like, wait, you you still don't win? <laughs> the Nazis still take over, have everything? That's depressing. I love um, the fact that this is where they're going narratively with with that. I mean, I would never have guessed that they would leap to the '80s and talk about the next generation of Blaskowitzes. I, I think that's so bold. And man, they just take such risks with this franchise. It's it's, it's kind of counterintuitive, but I love it. Yeah, I'm curious too, and I don't know, Sharif, if you have seen anything. I don't think they've said anything, but I don't know if if this is like a full fledged game or if this is kind of like um, after Wolfenstein New One, where they like, the names of them are all lost in my head right now. But they did the one, and then they did like the standalone DLC kind of version of it. I'm curious if this is a full fledged sequel or if this is kind of along those lines of like the thirty to forty dollar kind of campaign. Yeah, I was trying to look. I was trying to look that up too. I couldn't get anything clear. The fact that they didn't specifically say sequel during the conference. Yeah. Um. I I know Wolfenstein Two is a sequel, but but the fact that they didn't say like this was Wolfenstein Three. Right. Makes me think that it's probably going to be like like an add on to to like a significant add on to Wolfenstein Two, like in that same engine. You you, you know like it'll be kind of like a like a Far Cry blood, blood Dragon kind of thing. Yeah. Like, on the yeah, same it, thing, just like... It was like, Old Blood. Uh, <laughs> yes, it went yes. New Order, Old Blood, and then New Colossus was Wolfenstein 2. Yes. And now this is called Young Blood. So that kind of implies then that it would be, right? If New Order mm. goes to Old Blood, and now yeah. they have New Colossus and Young Blood, maybe it's that $40, $30 kind of standalone thing. But deciphered the code. <laughs> yeah, you did. And and the the VR standalone VR game is called Cyber Pilot, which sounds really cool. I can't wait to find out more information about that. Both of those are evidently playable at the booth, so I'll definitely get my face on with with both those VR games. Um and then we got a deep dive. Todd Howard came on stage looking impossibly cool in his leather jacket. He and doesn't age. That dude's badass. Way. I love that guy, yeah, man. He's so cool. The best. Um and he, we did a deep dive into Fallout 76, which is, in fact, a survival game, sort of a, 
I mean, it really does feel like Fallout does Destiny. Uh, and I know that the Destiny style of game is in vogue right now. We're seeing lots of them. I never would have thought Wait, are Fallout. are talking Destiny or in vogue? You're throwing all these R&B <laughs> groups at me. And just yeah, <laughs> it's, well, it, these are like the next generation of Destiny games, so you could call them Destiny's Child. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> um, <laughs> They just need a little TLC and they'll all shine. <laughs> That's right. Don't go chasing waterfalls, Christian. Um, <laughs> the, the, the game looks to be very Destiny-like. I mean, it, it really is Fallout as a pure shooter. We don't know if there's sort of loot, but there is mention of progression that persists there's across no server. Aiming, right? Doesn't seem to be any vats. I can't imagine how they would even make that work in a multiplayer game. Um, it, it looks gigantic. There's this huge map. It takes place in West Virginia. Sharif, what do you make of all this? Is this a game you want? I wanted them to do something different. I mean, Fallout mm-hmm. 3 and 4 were fairly similar. Like yeah. I enjoyed both. But if 5 was going to be another 3 and 4, I would have you know, been disappointed, even if it looked great. I don't know how this is going to work out, to be honest. Like, it, it seems like um, it is just inviting a whole lot of problems, uh, you know. But if it if they pull it off, it could be great. And, like, you have to remember that they've had years to look at games like Destiny and the, the Division to figure out, you know, how players react to, like, a certain things. And, um, you know, I think they can do this. Um, I think it'll probably have a really rocky start. I think there's obviously going to be some uh, old school Fallout fans that you'll never be able to please with this kind of approach. But I think that given what they've done with Fallout 3 and 4, I think this is a good next step. Um, My only hope is, I know they said that you can play it on your own. I really want to see what the options are for playing kind of solo because... um, I definitely have those times where I just want to play a game and I don't want to be in a forever connected, you know, world. And if they say this isn't the game for that, at least I'll have my expectations set and I'll know that's not the game to go to when I'm feeling in that mood. Um, but yeah. Other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super optimistic on that they can pull it off. In the chat room, uh, Chriso says playing co-op Fallout is something I've been dreaming of for a long time. Right there with you, Chriso. Uh, and then uh, John Reardon says, uh, to be honest, I have never been excited for a Fallout game until now. But it sounds like people are oh, excited for it. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. A pure shooter Fallout, it seems like a risky risky endeavor. It's not what I go to Fallout. That's not what I love about Fallout is the shooting. Certainly, it's all the other stuff. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what that progression really entails. Is it going to be a perks system? Is it going to be some sort of loot? Uh, is it a looter shooter? I don't think the loot in Fallout is particularly attractive or interesting. Like, I'm not excited about getting the, another outlaw outfit, you know? So <laughs> I think that would be a tough thing to pull off. Like, you gotta make, if you're gonna do a looter shooter, you gotta make the loot really desirable. Um, hey, I'd, I'd, I'd be excited to get a drop of like screws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And bottle caps. Yeah, awesome. well, more caps. Um, but it certainly seems to have some base building stuff, some some Fortnite esque uh, base building stuff, and then this idea of these giant nukes that you can launch, and then the the nukes aren't just offensive weapons; they literally transform parts of the map to reveal different kinds of resources that you can gather. So it turns 
uh, normal sections of the map into irradiated uh, post-nuclear areas that allow you to get more valuable resources out of them. I think that's a really clever idea. So there's a lot going for this game. I, I just, I don't, I'm, there's a lot of question marks for me. Yeah, I think it's smart the way they said, I think they're limiting, limiting it to 12 people. If this map is really, you know, four times the size of Fallout 4, it's not, uh, Fortnite or PUBG where you're constantly running into other players per se, which I think is nice because it, you and your party or you solo can go out and play this game. So hopefully there is that Bethesda yeah. crafted experience where maybe I'll play for four hours and never see anybody. And then they created these, yeah, uh, nuclear test facilities, I think, to kind of create these choke points that, like you said, they not only are for punishing other players, but you create these valuable resources. So it creates a place that people are, will want to go to where you're going to run into other real players, perhaps. And I think the other thing that's really interesting about it is it's, I think it's going to be, it has the potential to be a streamer's paradise where Bethesda jank is, is loved and often streamed for fun, you know, cause like it doesn't, it doesn't break the game. It's like, we were looking at one the other day where it's like this guy came off a set of stairs and started swimming, <laughs> you know, just like <laughs> through the open world. He was a swim animation kicked in. And I think if you have that with like a persistent world type game or you, there's potential for griefing, which this certainly has with those nukes. Um, I think it's Bethesda looking at that kind of world and what kind of the, the game landscape we're in today where being one of the top games on Twitch or Mixer, I guess, because <laughs> for their Xbox partnership um, can go a long way. And I think that could sell a lot of copies of this game. And then I think uh, the base building stuff and the customization, if that's there, um, could you imagine you have this sweet base built and then Brain someone nukes just nukes it. it? Yeah. And they don't even know. They were just doing it to get resources. Yeah. Like, you just, uh, yeah. I was <laughs> wondering, like, are you just hanging out and then all of a sudden the nuke goes off and you don't even know why or when? <laughs> I mean, like, that, that is what it seemed like. Yeah. Brutal. <laughs> just brutal. But, you know, there's got, there's got to be some kind of warning thing. system. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, I mean, I know that they mentioned that you kind of have to cooperate with other people that have parts of the code to actually launch yeah. a nuke. But still, it just seems like, yeah, if they haven't, I'm hoping that they have some kind of thing to, yeah, just prevent you from just starting up the game and getting nuked in like five minutes. So. <laughs> he called it, it softcore, so if you get nuked, you don't lose everything. They didn't quite yeah. detail what you do lose or don't lose. But I think that's interesting as well because there's, I mean, man, there's a chance to just get rolled in this game. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's brutal, especially in the fall. Could you imagine you're a hundred hours into Fallout 4? <laughs> Yeah. You don't even have any warning. You just all of a sudden you just explode. Everything you everything you've ever cared for explodes. <laughs> uh well we'll find out more. I mean that game is is a classic Bethesda Beyonce drop where, you know, we we you didn't know about it three months ago. Now you both know about it and it's coming out this year. So I, I and love they it. lied to us. Yep, in November. I love they- I love that they do that. They gave us that 2019 date first, right? And then yeah. they're like, "Just kidding." Yeah, yeah. love it. I love th- I love that this company does that all the time. But that wasn't the end of the crazy surprises. Elder Scrolls Blades. What? Full Elder Scrolls game, full giant open world role playing game made for mobile, 
with touch controls in mind, made to be able to play, be played both landscaped and portrait mode on your phone. Looks better than any Elder Scrolls game you can play on console or PC now. I mean, the gorgeous looking game. I just was blown away by the visuals alone, but made for mobile. Although they said it should be coming to all conceivable consoles and PC and it's coming to VR, uh, a full Elder Scrolls game coming to VR. What? Uh, this was to me one of the biggest surprises of E3 so far. I just, I just can't believe it. I, I'm not excited about playing a game on a touch screen like this, but because they say it's coming to all these other devices, including VR, I'm in for Elder Scrolls Blades. What about you, Sharif? I think it looks phenomenal. Um, you know, I think it's definitely an achievement for like mobile gaming. Now they made a big thing to mention that they were running it on an iPhone 10. Yeah. So, so I'm really curious as to what kind of phone you will need. Yeah. What's the minimum? It's a, the 10 is a minimum. My, exactly. I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think my uh, 6S will uh, probably be able to uh, play that. Yeah. Um, but no, it's definitely a, a big achievement, but I don't know how well a game like that will translate off of a phone. It looks very simple. Um, yeah, the combat looks like you're sort of locked into an enemy and you, you know, you have to deal with them. Uh, I don't know, it, but maybe that, that may work very well in VR, for example. So I don't know. It's going to be, yeah. Uh, well, well, no, no, I think in VR, I think it could work, but if they're saying that it's coming like everywhere else just as a game. Yeah. Like, I mean, be free. could be, it is going to be free, right? It's going to be free. That's well, crazy. I know it'll be free on the phone. Yes. Yeah. Who knows what else they'll have in there. When you go in there, it's like, hey, do you really want that helmet? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <T99>. Right. <laughs> yeah. Horse armor. You want that horse armor? Yeah. Um, and that was not the end. I, again, I was sitting next to Tarmina uh, and, and, uh, we were both like, they can't end on a mobile game, right? They can't end this on a mobile game. And of course they didn't. They showed some logos, guys, logos. <laughs> uh, never been more excited to see logos in my life. You, you know, even more than the, the Metroid logo last year. Uh, this blew my skirt up in a big, big way. Starfield is real. It's the long rumored next big Bethesda Game Studios RPG. Don't know anything about it. It did look like a hopeful future kind of setting. Uh, we saw a logo. And we heard that it's the next game that they're coming out with. We have no idea when. It sends like several years away. But that wasn't even enough. We saw the game they're working on after that one when they were very, and uh, Todd Howard was very clear to say after that one, Elder Scrolls Six. And we saw just sort of a, a bird's eye flight across very beautiful landscape and then the Elder Scrolls Six logo. Here's my take on this, guys. As Twitter-pated and uh, ecstatic as I was to see these things, get confirmation of Starfield, confirmation of Elder Scrolls 6, there was no doubt that they were working on the next Elder Scrolls. There's no doubt in anybody's mind. But to see it happen, to know that it's coming eventually, to know that it's going to be this big next-gen experience, all of that, very, very thrilling, a cool moment. But to what end? Like... What have they wrought by by doing this? There is not going to be a moment in the next however many years it takes to get these games out where the question on everybody's lips is when's Starfield? When's Elder Scrolls Six? Now that you've confirmed them 
and you're talking about them, that's all anybody cares about from you. I don't understand how giving us a cool moment this year serves them. It, it just, I think it complicates. If Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six seem like multiple years away, if Starfield isn't next year's game, it overshadows everything they will talk about from now until the release of those games. And I feel like they have had such a wonderful template of waiting and only talking about things when they're about to be released. I don't understand why they would do this, even though it gave me a real cool moment. What do you think, Sharif? I think it's to give you that cool moment. I I mean, I think like the fact that, you know, we're talking about it right now, that's, that's what they did it for. And I also think they probably been getting just completely hammered over the years on this. Yeah. You know, um, I don't mind it, you know, um, they're, you know, like, like they just ended on it. It was like, forever. it was like really fast. It was like kind of like a, just to know that we're thinking of you. It was kind of like, you know, as, as you said before, like the Metroid Prime 4 kind of thing, you know, like I'm, I'm, it's just like, we a, got you. A, yeah. Hey, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that. What do you think, Christian? Yeah, I think we've been here before. We'll we'll be here again. Metroid's a great example. I mean, Battle to- Battletoads was just you know that's probably closer than than Starfield certainly. But Cyberpunk, you know, when did we first see that? Two, three years ago, and and that's still several yeah. years off. I think um, there's some just telling our fans, and I think some is to our investors. <laughs> you know, like these are real. We're making them. This is our timeline, and I don't know if it will overshadow everything they have coming because kind of what they have coming it seems like is are, are very different games and if 76 works i think it can be huge for them in a different way and if their mobile game works you know they mentioned um we talked about this before we started streaming i think that they talked about how many people have downloaded fallout shelter yeah more than all their other games combined yeah and now if they're releasing and you know they have an elder scrolls yeah. game coming free to mobile like that they've they've won you know like Yes, I don't think it will overshadow the conversation. I think people were going to ask them about these anyway. <laughs> and so now to say that they're out and we'll be talking about them, we won't, or we're not talking about them for until next year, I think is almost easier than leaks and, and this, that, and the other. We've heard it's called Starfield. What do you have to say about that? Blah, 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 blah. And it was a heck of a way to end a, <laughs> to end a press conference, that's for sure. And now Todd gets to go back to his, uh, Forever young chamber for three yeah. more years until I, they bring him out. I honestly thought that the conference or the, uh, the, yeah, the press conference wasn't particularly strong up until Todd Howard walked out on that stage. Everything up until that point felt very samey to me. It felt like, you know, all of the same tempo and level of aggression. It was all of these very intense shootery moments. I mean, even prey, it was like intense. Quick cut action, smash, smash, big explosions, kind of aggressive shooter pace, you know? And then Todd Howard comes out on stage and he just charmed the pants off of everybody, talks about games that seem so, so interesting and so exciting and so full of hope. Uh, that I came away like, ah, oh, I love this company. I truly love this company. Even though up to that point, it felt like this company just makes really aggressive bro shooters, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I just completely changed my mind on it. So it all goes to the power of a, a charismatic, uh, I think he's sort of the Steve Jobs of video games. I think he, he Todd Howard can, you know, sell, uh, what do they say, an ice cube to an Eskimo or whatever it is. You know, it's like, it's, He's he's 
really wonderful when he presents a game. He's like, yeah, that's, that's something I want to do and play and be a part of. It's great. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I thought he was amazing. Um, and you know, he, he, um, you know, he's not only somebody that's been around for a while, but he still kind of is really passionate about what he does. Yeah. You know, and like can show it, you know, it's like kind of really evident. And he just felt like he was in his zone. Yeah, you know? for and, sure. And like it was, it, it was good to see. Yeah, he uh, is great. And I, I think, again, speaking from a presentation standpoint, I think Microsoft has had the best presentation so far um, in terms of rhythm and pace and top to bottom, start to finish, how things went. I thought Bethesda's press conference of doing that catwalk where half the time the presenter was not looking at half the audience felt weird. I think presenters felt weird. I think Todd didn't care and like watching at home yeah. you could tell he acknowledged the room and you could see like the live stream cameras were like oh crap <laughs> like yeah. Todd's not on his mark um kind of chasing to follow him it seemed like but uh as a presentation as a spectacle I, I would put them so far as Microsoft Bethesda EA I would agree with that is that what you would say uh Sharif uh I, I, would, I would put Bethesda first oh interesting um then Microsoft in the year. Fair enough. Well, we got lots more. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow night talking about even more press conferences. We've got Ubisoft, the PC press conference, Square Enix, and uh, Sony will cl- cl- uh, close out the night. And uh, I will be up late again. Christian and I will be here. We'll be joined, I believe, tomorrow night by uh, Scott Johnson. Uh, we'll be talking yes. about those uh, press conferences. So stay tuned. But uh, in the meantime, Sharif Jackson, thank you so much for being here, sir. Thanks, thanks. I apologize for the late arrival, but thanks for squeezing me in. Oh no, thank you so much for uh, staying up late with us. I know it's 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 not <laughs> it's not easy. Um, tell people where they can keep up with you and what you do online. Sure. Uh, so my website is SharifJackson.com. S H A R E E F Jackson.com. That'll link you to the Spawn on Me podcast, which I co-host with a. Uh, uh, Cully Adams, Cicero Holmes, and Tanya DePass. It, it'll link you to my uh, Twitch page, to my YouTube page, where I put up uh, v- videos on diversity and gaming, and they will also link you to my brand new um, Dungeons and Dragons uh, group called the Rivals of Waterdeep. Nice. Uh, which we debuted in LA last weekend, in which we will begin streaming our games on June 17th on DND's Twitch channel. So excellent. Excited Congrats. About that as well. That's great. So, yeah. Check it all out there. Cool. Uh, Christian, you are at Spicer on Twitter. It's the best way to get my, uh, hashtag E3 fashion tweets. All yeah, E3 <laughs> started. You can jump on that hashtag train. If someone for real, give me that show already. Um, that's the best way to keep in touch. And then I have ALTMM. You can find it out first to patrons on Tuesdays, patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. And then everybody else on the uninformed opinions feed on Fridays. Yeah. And I'm at Jeff Canada. Uh, that's with two N's and one T. I am live streaming all of the stuff and everything I can. A big week. Again, we'll be back tomorrow night. Thanks for hanging out with us. I'm going to go get some sleep, uh, Casper style. (laughs) We'll see you guys tomorrow. Enjoy E3. Bye. Later.